It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this 27th day of September, 2023. This is The Horn. Head on .live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is The Horn chat room in the hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Club Round. And where if you do pop in just right now or thereabouts... You'll be greeted by uh, uh, the early arriving cra- crew. Uh, that would be Theo and Squeaky working backwards. Uh, Theo and Squeaky and Ralphs and Anatole and Too Much Hutch and Capably Moderated. Okay, that's funny. Roger just posted a photo of a piece of toast with Donald Trump's face on it. You know, orange hair. Capably Moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, and... Bud Trimmer Emeritus, Roger and Warwick, and sorry, this kind of caught me funny. Uh, hi, I'm Robin, and uh, if you're listening to the podcast, well, either way, live or podcast, please accept my kind and heartfelt thanks for being a part of this amazing little community. Three hours a night, five nights, a, well, day, night, three hours a day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year. For almost 20 years. Uh, because you're part of something special. And what's more, you create that something special. And I'm, I, I'm, well, I'm forever humbled and, 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 and kind of amazed. And we had, I don't think we had any idea when Boss Man Wayne made it possible to start all this. I don't think I don't think any of us imagined that this would get to the almost 20 years old part, but here we are, and y'all are amazing, each and every one of you. And so thanks for being part of it. If you are listening to the podcast, uh, please uh, like every episode, leave a comment here and there, leave lots of comments, and uh, subscribe, like us on Spotify. I have no idea what's going on at TuneIn. Um, and uh, tell your friends and neighbors. 
Yeah, you can repost the you can repost the uh, program when I put it up. Let other people know. Invite them to join you in your community. Okay, okay. Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. So thanks go out to our 27th day of the month subscribers via PayPal. And that means thanks. Wait, is it so? Oh, my gracious. The 27th day of the month has no PayPal subscribers. How about that? So uh, this is, uh, I didn't realize that. Some That must be one of the people who fell away. Um, so we need, a, we need a, a subscriber for the 27th day of the month. Uh, if somebody who isn't would like to be a, like say, $10 a month subscriber, just go to head-on.live. Put ten bucks or well, whatever you like in the field there at Head On Live, the PayPal thing, and click the box that says "Make this a recurring monthly donation." And then the twenty seventh day of the month will not be empty. The twenty ninth of the month is problematic. That's just because of the way PayPal is, as is the thirtieth and the thirty first on thirty one day months, because February screws everything up. <laughs> But I didn't realize that we had no one on the 27th. But at any rate, thanks to the amazing work done by all of you, and thanks to this stunning challenge from Larry in Liberalville, uh, the fundraising goal this evening is 300 bucks. And if we raise 300 today, and 300 tomorrow, and 300 on Friday, we will finish September fully funded. It's amazing, and it is. Uh, it will be a first since April of this year. So that's where we stand. Ten people at 30 bucks, 30 people at 10 bucks, three, yeah. 30 at 10, one at 300, two at 150, three at 100. Never mind. I'm pretty good at that site, right? For the most part. So it is, in fact, prayer meeting Wednesday on the horn. And, uh, you know, there's always some there's always some kind of religious insanity out there. But I, I think, and and I've got one. I always try to have at least one. Uh, but I think we'll go with other things instead. Like, for instance, this evening. The pageant of the seven dwarves will go forward without Snowflake, Snowflake and the seven dwarves. That was very good, Steve. It'll take place at the Reagan Library. Just, no, no. I, yeah, old, old 666 himself, Ronald Wilson Reagan's library there. I guess, what, is, do you think the script for Bedtime for Bonzo is in the Reagan Library? How about the script for King's Row? 
All those scripts for Death Valley days. The script when Reagan uh, narrated a, a Jeremiad against people being able to go to the doctor when they're sick. Perhaps the script of his speech that he gave at the Neshoba County Fairgrounds in Philadelphia, Mississippi in August of 1980, in which he made clear to racist white Southerners that he was their guy. It, meanwhile, Mitwit Nero will be at a non-union auto factory parts supplier, some such. And trying to steal the limelight. But with that in mind, I thought, in terms of a place to begin, I mean, we, there, there, are all, there are several possibilities on this thus far prayerless Wednesday. Uh, a hissy, uh, a hissy from Jim Jacketoff Jordan. Um, ongoing angst and legitimate fear and terror over the probably coming shutdown. Again, a reminder that this shutdown will be brought to you by people who are questioning the validity of the public debt. That's what a shutdown is. Failure to maintain the proper funding of government so that our credit, not full faith and credit, I don't want to get Steve in New York all worked up this, this early in the program. That's not what full faith and credit is. We both agree. Even if you do hear it used by the multimillionaires and the for-profit media, no, the Republicans are not attacking the full faith and credit of the United States. Even if the President of the United States says that, they're not, it's not what they're doing. I mean, they probably would like to do it in some states. I mean, Ron Monkey up DeClantis is saying he wants to do it. But the full, but that, that has to do with uh, recognize the, every state being obliged to recognize the governmental acts of another state. And that's a very, very thin, uh, loose definition. We got that. We got various and sundry shenanigans. Um, in the House to try to make sure that the shutdown does happen. For some reason or another, uh, the squeaker of the House... Squeaker of the Mouse, Craven McCarthy. Hi, Sylvie. Uh, thinks this is a winning strategy for him. Barking about desperate people seeking asylum at the U.S. border as being some sort of desperate existential threat to the life of the Republic. It isn't, of course... The behavior of people like Greg Asbot in Texas is. 
Oh, by the way, uh, Emilio getting the first uh, <laughs> the first jibe in. All the books in the Reagan Library are just filled with the word will. No, there's more than just will. There's also mummy. At least Mike Pencil Neck Geek called his wife mother. Mother. Yeah, I don't know how it is that uh, that Craven McCarthy thinks this is a winning issue for him. Because it isn't. Deliberately immiserating people, <laughs> including Republicans. Well, I mean, the, the hard cores and the dead enders and the hard cases, they're not going to learn. They are incapable thereof. But this is... Uh, Well, it's 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 got it's it's got it's no it's got no small amount of existential dread. So yesterday, we basically started out with a discussion of Cassidy Hutchinson. I think we're going to find ourselves there again today, because she is now making the rounds of the various and sundry talk programs. She was on CNN. Uh, she was on My Filthy Morning Habit this morning. And answering a question uh, that, that this community has been pointed at, pointing out, you know, she was a Republican. She adored Trump. She remains a Republican. I don't know how she feels about the shutdown. But the question was put. Uh, about, uh, well, how she feels about what ultimately happened. And it happened this morning on my filthy morning habit. Book and there's a ton of new stuff in here as well. Is that were you 24 on January 6th? 24, 20, 24 years old. You're 24, and all these alleged leaders, most of them men, throughout the West Wing in the Capitol, uh, who'd been around Washington for a long time, as they were cowering, you were the one sort of running around saying, "We have to do something here. This is going to get bad. This is going to get ugly." And indeed, it did. Um, what was it like for you in those moments, in those days, to look around and Mark Meadows, your boss, a guy you knew and respected for, for a long time, was literally sitting on the couch saying, the big guy, Trump, doesn't want us to do anything. And you said, okay, the chief of staff isn't going to do anything on January 6th. This is on me, a 24-year-old aide. What did it feel like to have that pressure on your shoulders that day? Um, you know, I I didn't look at it like that at the time because I... the the job itself for a lot of people that work in a White House, and Joan, I know that you have experience with this I, as well. Yes, yes I do. But we, we, we have a lot of similar experiences. <laughs> Me, not on the grand scale as you, but yes, a lot of times. It's apples to oranges, <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
in that job, I, you know, looking back with hindsight, I see it from a different perspective now. But in those days, it was my, I saw it as my job to be the person to get things done, done no matter what it took. Um, so in those moments, it was, I saw it as my duty and obligation just to help Mark be able to facilitate something so we didn't have a more, a bigger crisis that day. Looking back now, you know, I, I see that there is a lack of leadership and there was a lack of leadership that day. Okay, so most of this, is, I, I found it interesting as I watched this morning that she still, I mean, this is, this is a man who is facing multiple counts of racketeering-influenced corrupt organization felonies. And she still, is this a youth thing? Am, am I so far past my youth that I can't, I, I can't re recall? Uh, is this a thing where the, the, the changing dynamics of the culture? I mean, when I, when I was her age, I was not doing anything close to that. But I was working at a global news organization. And I hadn't, and this isn't just, this isn't me waxing about the good old days. Most of the people I worked with, men and women alike, were considerably older than me. At one point, you know, when, uh, when the sounder played, and this is CNN Radio News... And I introduced myself for the first time. I was the youngest person ever to have done that at any network. Ever. And all of my colleagues, well, they, they were. They were they were Pat and they were Anna and they were uh, Lynn and they were Stan and Mike. But by God the boss walks in and he's Mr. fucking Turner. Okay? And I was equals with all the people I was on a first name basis with. I just found it odd. Maybe and you know, we have some practitioners here in the in the Horn Family Community Congregation. I I, I found it odd that her boss who was the chief of staff to the president of the United States and in his own right, a former member of the House of Representatives, is just Mark. You know, he's Mark. Mark from next door. You know, Mark grills hot dogs and hamburgers on the weekend, makes a pretty good cheeseburger. Mark. And if that's me, be if that's me being overly sensitive, fine. Say, you know, tell me. It's it it just seemed a bit strange and 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 again it may be cultural. You know, Cassidy Hutchinson's Gen Z, but I would have thought that a, a, a I would have thought more in a Republican administration. I mean, maggot, but it's still a Republican administration. I would have thought that sort of old school sense of decorum. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, Mr. Meadows, Chief Meadows. What? It, 
I would I would have expected that to be, but even the text of the book is mark this and mark that. I've seen enough excerpts to know that. And I'm not trying to uh, allege anything or insinuate anything. It's just what I said. It 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 feels culturally odd to me. But that, yeah, there was but. Uh, she did go on to say there was a lack of leadership that day. Now, you know, I, I see that there is a lack of leadership and there was a lack of leadership that day. I don't view it as like I don't have some hero complex over here that I staged anything on January 6th at all. I, January 6th was a terrible day and I live with the guilt of being complicit and possibly instrumental in a lot of what led up to January 6th. Now that, by God, I, I don't think that was easy for her to say. And I don't think it is feigned guilt, and I don't think it's perceived guilt. I think she saw what happened that day, and she knows that it is real guilt, and the complicity was real. And as she said, she does have to live with it. Oh God, here we go again. Stop being so culturally sensitive, Robin, you neo-antiquarian etiquettal shill. I don't even know what half those words mean. But Emilio says, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I, I don't think she's putting that on for... You know, I, don't, I don't think that story changes if she shows up over... And, and she won't, I don't think... They're not going to book her over at Fox News TV Radio Rwanda or Newsmuck or Onan, the network that spills its news upon the ground, or God knows that rattletrap podcast run by that guy who looks like rancid hot dog water smells because he's pals with the guys who were perving all over her. Matt Gates showing up at her cabin. You've heard that. Yeah. They were on a retreat to Camp David. And Cassidy had a cabin. She had that much status. Next door to her was... I forget. Maybe maybe it was... Uh, maybe it was Mark. But Matt Gates shows up. And whoever it was pokes their head out the door and says... Gates, what the f are you doing here? Oh, I, I just got lost, and I hope uh, maybe Cassidy could show me the way to get out of here. And, and whoever it was looked at him and said, Oh, Matt, get a life. The fucking stalker! I'm not shocked by much. But this is just... Oh! I mean, it, he could have had the common decency to have like an early 90s boombox or a late 80s boombox on his shoulder playing In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel and maybe reenacting that eponymous movie scene with John Cusack, but... Ah! What a creep. And it always takes me to where it always takes me. Wondering about the creeps that are okay with that kind of creeping. 
who send that creep to Congress from his district basically in Panama City Beach. There on the Redneck Riviera. God. Part of the reason I wrote this book was to shed light on the fact that I didn't just land in the chair on June 28th when I testified. It took a long time to get there. It took a long time to be able to process this and to come to, the term, come to terms with what we did and how it was so severe and the threat that it posed on our democracy. You write in the book, you're a proud Republican, proud conservative, turned on to politics by the 2012 presidential campaign when Mitt Romney was running. You were proud to get the job in the Trump White House. You had respect for Donald Trump. You worked alongside him. Um, when did that turn? When did that change? When did you feel like the things we've tolerated for these first three, three and a half years, and oh, that's just Donald Trump being Donald Trump, and as you write in the book, we're amusing in some ways to the staff. When did that change for you? When did it get more serious and you thought to yourself, I've got to do something here? There was a shift in me on January 6th that I don't think I was fully cognizant to at the time. But, you know, it, again, it was a, it, it took a while to get to the point where I was able to fully admit all those truths myself. And I wrestled with, in my mind, with, is it... Was Honest to God, it sounds like, and, and I'm not making light. Uh, we we have some we have some friends of Bill W in the in in, in the community. Some of this it, it almost sounds like in in the aftermath of January sixth she sort of went through a maggot uh, you know leaving MAGA twelve steps program. She had to admit that she was a maggot and her life had become unmanageable. And if you view, if you view it through that lens, this is the making amends step. I'm not sure what step that is. And maybe that's not such a terrible comparison. Maybe maybe it's apt. I don't have I don't have that much knowledge about deprogramming someone in a cult, but I remember back in the in the heyday of the Harry Krishnas and the Moonies, if you wanted to deprogram a Mooney, from what I recall, it involved a cabin in the woods, isolation, and about six weeks. And absolutely no contact whatsoever with anyone from the cult. This, there it is. Okay, thank you. Uh, uh, step nine of AA making amends. Thank you, Ralphs, serving as the Horn Ad Hoc AA Research Department. You know, accepting the complicity. I mean, this, this, this does. This, this sounds like a psychological. I mean, this, this sounds like a, 
a, a legit psychological process. And I suspect it was one. Uh, Steve in New York adds, uh, Cassidy, those words sounded an awful lot like having to hit rock, rock bottoms. Having to hit rock bottom with addiction. They kind of... It kind of does, and it, it does, and if if that is indeed the case, then what does that say about the people who are still in the cult, or the people who are still using? Because I think there is a significant. And I don't understand it. You know, you never say, oh, I could never do be fill in the blank. But I feel comfortable saying I could never, quote, uh, I could never get all the way to being a maggot. And I've always had kind of a predilection against true believership, you know, as soon as I figured out the Southern Baptist Church. And from that day to this, I've never been, I, you know, I was in a fraternity. But that was pretty much the end of my being a joiner. Um, amends, Matt in San Francisco says, is the fourth step. I think this 12-step program for MAGAs is a million-dollar idea. We just have to find recovering people who are willing to deal with them. It, I, Matt, I think... I think the sponsors would be outnumbered here. And we don't want it we don't want we don't want anybody lapsing or backsliding. Oh no, Matt says sorry, fourth step. Fourth step is searching in and fearless moral inventory. Step nine is when you make amends for all the stuff you uncover in step four. And I think I think she's des- I think she's describing step four and step nine. You know when she said that I didn't just land in that chair in front of the January sixth committee. That's you know, what the, what led to her being in the, and and she went on in the interview to credit Liz Cheney. I guess you could say that Liz Cheney was her sponsor. If we're going to work within this paradigm, though, I think the next thing we have to do is ask the question, because I've always been taught that one is always in recovery, one is ne- and that's the way I've treated, you know, being a recovering Southern Baptist. I'm never going to be a recovered Southern Baptist. I mean, witness all the delicious things that, <laughs> that have come out of the... Uh, Cathedral of Common Sense Fellowship Hall Kitchen. Those are all reflections of things that I saw on Wednesday evenings in the basement of the Southern Baptist Church. 
It imprints. It stays with us. Um, Twelve steps away from maggots, asks Theo. I'm completely with you, Robin, about Cassidy Hutchinson's rise of self-awareness after bottoming out. Been there with alcohol and cannabis, and I'm leery of painkillers today in depressed moods. How we help other cultists out of it is a huge conundrum for the country. I think we've started a conversation here. Steve says, Steve Cassidy, part two, Steve in New York says, what really struck me about something she said was when she said, what we did, not they or he, we. I think there's a lot of different directions you can go with with analyzing this, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have the inside look. You know, when a certain guy with a Charlie Chaplin mustache was coming to the end of his road in the bunker, you know, there there weren't there weren't any MI6 spies in there jotting down notes. Everything we know about the, that time comes from people who repented. And so we come back to the, it's Wednesday, to the parable of the prodigal son or the lost sheep. Uh, Stephen Hassan's work says Theo, subject line, recovery from maggotry. Uh, Flavio said, I heard Cassidy this afternoon on MSNBC. She credits a fellow staffer who she met fully a year after January 6th with helping her kick the cult. That friend took her in when she had absolutely no obligation to do so, she said. And that helped her out in her journey. Let's continue. Wait a minute. Did I drop? No, no, I'm good. Flavio said you cut out. Did the power go out? No, 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 no issues with the power so far. Jinx. Knock wood. Now, let's go back to Cassidy. Was it us? Was it, and it's the Trump world mentality where I was like, you know, I, I fell into that and I'm, there's nothing wrong with it necessarily, but it's not how I felt. And it really was that year and a half between the administration ending and going to testify and being more forthcoming with the committee that I realized that I wasn't going to be able to live with myself because this wasn't the Republican Party that I felt like I was a part of. This isn't the public service that I had seen myself, that I had envisioned a career being with. So, you know. There are so many parallels for this. And yeah, I know, I did too, and everybody within the sound of my voice and the sound of that clip just now cringed when she said, this is not the Republican Party that I thought, this is not the, what, the, what I envisioned for my, you know, my service to my country. And some of us will go, oh, oh, Cassidy. But we don't know how, we don't know how she was raised. And I remember what um, what was said yesterday. I think it was Matt about people in their silos. Was that you, Matt? For some reason or another, I'm I'm flashing on uh, 
the Cunningham family of suburban Milwaukee, uh, you know, Marion and Mr. Cunningham and what rock-ribbed Eisenhower Republicans they were and Joni and Opie and uh, Richie. Yeah, and, and and they were they were they were all just good, solid, God fearing Christian American Republicans. You know, in that I like Ike era. And I suppose there are households that are like that to this day. I don't I don't I don't, I don't know how you get there, but then again. I know households where Fox News TV Radio Rwanda plays 24 hours a day, seven days a week when it's not the Weather Channel. And you only get the Weather Channel for a little bit, and then it's back to Fox. Uh, I remember years and years and years ago at the beginning of this program, uh, a guy named, uh, a friend named Rick Goodner from down Texas way wrote a book. He was a therapist. Uh, The Fox Syndrome, a shared psychotic disorder. Read it cover to cover. Made a lot of sense. Stand by. Sorry. Um... This is, I mean, this is beyond Cassidy Hutchinson. This is an inquiry into the nature of what it is to be some American families now. Ninety-nine point, you know, just like just like ivory soap, ninety-nine point nine four percent white. I mean, pure. No, I mean white. Stand by. It was a robocall. Oh. Just reminding you of your appointment. But it says it's my doctor's office, and you never, you never know. You know. Oh, we were just looking over something we missed a year ago, and it, right. Oh. I, but the thing is, this is an anthropological study because she's not a she's not a blithering idiot. She's not Lauren Bobert. I mean, the fact that she was politically awakened by the presidential election in 2012, I think, says volumes. She was 24 on 2021, so that means that means 10 years ago she was 10 years ago, she was she was 15 years old. 
when she was motivated by, wait for it, the candidacy for the presidency of Bishop Willard Romney. I, okay, not making any judgments. So I, I think that the points of reflection that I've had helped bring me to these moments, but I'm still working through a lot of those things. The moments in the book, and we heard them in your testimony, where Mark Meadows, his cowardice that day, his weakness that day, inability to do anything. You, in page 321, you say, Mark needs to snap out of this. He needs to care. Were you surprised by his cowardice on that day? Was that the guy you had known? When I looked in, in the moment, I, I also deliberately tried to write the book and alongside my collaborator, Mark Salter, who is a phenomenal human being and was able to help pull this story out of me in ways that I would never have been able to do on my own. Um, but when I, but I tried to write the book in real time, how I was actually thinking in those moments. In those moments, I wasn't necessarily thinking that Mark was being a coward. I was thinking, is he shocked? Is he stunned? Is That's interesting. So the guy who helped pull it out of her taught or, or got her to think about it, like she said, in real time, or as we might say, in the present tense. So she's thinking, is not was. I found I found that fascinating because it's a it's a tool I've seen before. For instance, if one keeps a dream journal, and that can get weird in a real hurry, and then the sky turned paisley purple, and the dragon ate my hot dog. You know, uh, <laughs> actually, I think the sky would have been pink. Uh, you write about it. See, I just did that in the past tense. In 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 writing it, it or and, and in fact, in other journaling methods, the one I was schooled in was by Ira Progoff, and it was a Jungian approach. When you're writing dialogues, and and that's what the Progoff method does. You write dialogues, but you don't write in the past tense because you access the reality of it by casting yourself into living it in the present tense in the moment. That's... That is intense, because if, we, if we're able to put the... If we are able to insulate ourselves from the past by using the past tense, then we are not so... We can we can we can insulate ourselves. Whereas if we force ourselves to use the present tense, it's harder to do. Um, uh, Flavio, let me know if I'm back for you. Uh, Theo explaining, uh, uh, sorry for the glitchy messages, uh, Stephen Hassan's book and the works of other ex-cultists such as my friend Nori Muster should, uh, it could help guide loved ones and families of MAGA-addled citizens to regain some rational balance. But it'll take time, and book reading, 
and trust and a lot of effort. God knows Fox is nothing but counter-programming against things like book reading. Regaining a viable FCC and control over major media are both inextricably bound up in the process. We have a chance of getting some sort of responsible FCC back because of a recent nomination. Net neutrality? Anybody? Um... John in Central PA says, to be fair, before 2016, the GOP wasn't nearly as disgusting as they are today. Oh, I'm not so sure, John. I, I, think, I think everything after 2016 is the, is the egg that was hatched from things that have been going on since 1964. But I've done that before, but no. I remember when a close friend of mine, John says, whose mother is a local Republican elected official, said way back in 2015 that Trump was like Hitler. He supported Ben Carson. (sighs) By 2020, he had a Trump sign on his front yard, so they weren't always as totally fascist as they are today. Trump has radicalized these people. I had to stop at my local Wally World today, and on the way back out, you know, you know where the, the buggy corrals are? Well, the parking ferry visited me, and I got to park right next to one. And so as I parked my buggy, is it, by the way, is that a regional dialect thing? I, I've always called them buggies. I read somewhere that that's a regional dialect uh, that the rest of the normal world calls them shopping carts. But on the buggy corral, someone had put a Trump 2024 sticker. It was about two inches wide by, oh, an inch high. And I just, I'm not kidding. When I saw it, my response was atavistic. You know, our, 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 our atavistic senses are our senses of repulsion to things like blood and feces and putrescence. And I looked down, at, uh, and I had my hand on the buggy corral, and it wasn't near. And, and, ah! and just with my fingernail, tested the corner of it and went, oh, this hasn't baked in. And carefully, I didn't want to leave any residue, carefully peeled it off the the bar of the buggy corral and rolled it up so that the trump part would, would so that there would just be nothing, and, and put it in the garbage, put, in, put it in a garbage bag that I keep in my car. And I was immediately reminded of 2012, back in 2012 again, uh, when my hosts and I joyfully... Uh, ran, uh, walked about a small German town, taking down stickers for the newly formed Alternative für Deutschland Party, the nicer Nazis uh, that have continued to grow there. With all due respect and apologies to Gertrude Stein, a Nazi is a Nazi is a Nazi is a Nazi. 
Okay, all right. Matt in San Francisco. It's carts, you hick. <laughs> Couldn't help myself, Matt says. Um, thank you, Ralphs. Ralph says loud and clear. I guess I'm uh, coming back. Uh, I've come back for Flavio, too. Many cringe moments, Flavio says. Flavio, Flavio, Flavio has planted his damn flag. It's difficult to have sympathy. I've never been a Republican. I've always been a socialist, social Democrat, left-to-center person. So that old saying my late old-world Portuguese mom was fond of repeating, you lie down with dogs, pops into my head. But the problem is, what happens, Flavio, when they don't know their dogs and have never heard of fleas? When they think instead that they're lying down with George Washington. The empathy is a thing. Um, Randy Radar says, It comes down to the oversimplified stereotypes and the black and white thinking. It's lazy media consumption. Remember, an IQ of 100 is average, and half of the media is dumber than that, as George Carlin said. And half of the American people. We all have, but I think it's a matter of awareness. We have to be, and perhaps more now than ever, but it was it was never a bad thing to have critical thinking skills, to look at something and saying, ah, this doesn't add up. I guess they still teach that in law school. They used to teach it in journalism school. I kind of had the, I had both, so mine is fairly well-tuned. Viewing movies like George C. Scott and the Flim Flam Man is helpful. W.C. Fields is post-doc work. Sorry, I'm still stuck on post-doc from Steve's note yesterday. It's carts, you hick! <laughs> oh, God, I needed that. But... We come in peace. There's our obligatory Star Trek reference. I think there's benefit in... Nobody could ever have deprogrammed a Mooney if they hadn't delved into the Mooney mindset. So... I get not having sympathy, I think, Flavio. And maybe this is part of that Southern Baptist upbringing, this, this, this being Wednesday and all. Because I, ha and again, still in recovery. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we think back to this most recent Moran Monday, think about how many of our brothers and sisters fall prey to the palaverings of people like Shank Yugir and the and the and the and the, the 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 balderdash that he's selling. Huh? No one's quite that pure. Just a, bit, a little bit left of this clip. 
kind of going to be, I have a feeling it's going to be kind of a Cassidy Wednesday here. But I think, okay, yesterday was, and today was, and there's other news, and we'll get to it. But this is like an, this is like an Attenborough documentary. With everything except the terribly, terribly urbane narration. Stand to get a hillbilly girl. Does he not know what's going on? Does he not know what he can do? How can I help him? Is he scared? Um, again, I don't want to speculate about his mindset that day. I, I don't know exactly how he was feeling that day. I would want to leave that to him, and I don't want to self-assign adjectives to how he may or may not feel or feel that he was being. Um, I'll leave that to the experts to do. But I was more alarmed. Leave it to the prosecutors. Alarmed and upset. And I, I, f- I felt for him because I, you know, he was the chief of staff, but he also was sort of instrumental in these moments, too. And it, it, he hired her. OK. She owed her position to him. That's not, you know, that, that, that's that's not to ses- suggest anything salacious or untoward. I never no, No, absolutely. No. But a certain amount of obsequy, obligation, can't help but attach. And the thing is, an old operator like Mark Meadows is going to know that. And he is going to prey on it and play on it. The one thing that she does not mention within this, this five minutes and 22 seconds or whatever it was is that she was initially represented by a lawyer that was a maggot lawyer who, at the connivance of Mark Meadows, was encouraging her to... Why? And it's only when she breaks free of that and gets competent counsel who is not himself beholden to the maggots and to maggot money that she is able to speak her truth. And maybe that's in the book. Or maybe that's something the lawyers wanted to save for later. I mean, when she's telling things like this, it's it's hard to imagine her not being on either Jack Smith's or Fonnie Willis's witness list, or both. And were I her... I would not be looking forward to either one of those because although Nitwit Nero's pettifoggers are really terrible, they're not going to have anything regard anything resembling compunction against behaving as odiously as human poss- humanly possible. 
I'm sure some of them are picking away right now, making phone calls, trying to figure out if they can somehow besmirch her character and accuse her of some sort of sexual impropriety with a guy who got caught sending money to an underage sex worker on Venmo, who was also romantically linked with uh, Anna Paula Laguna. Whatever. Who was Jewish until she wasn't. Or something. This is fascinating to me. And I hope it is to you. Because it's also, while it is intensely personal... It is a window into a moment in time in which the the very republic itself could have collapsed and was closer to that collapse than any of us dare think. And we've been talking about that fact for what will be on January the 6th, 2024, Three years. And that's barely three months from now. But that was not the only stop that Cassidy Hutchinson made. Uh, She also stopped for a little chat with Jake Tapper on CNN. These are curious to run side by side because we get a chance to see the degree to which these are talking points that have been carefully memorized. Of January 7th, you still went to work. I did. And this is is one of the things that I think um, that some of your critics on the left or, you know, never Trumpers uh, who are Republicans say, like, you know, you, you see your friend Alyssa Griffin, mm-hmm. Alyssa Farrah Griffin, go on TV. She's denouncing January 6th. Sarah Matthews, Stephanie Grisham, Secretary DeVos, Secretary Chow, others resigned that day. Secretary Mnuchin, you write in your book, was considering invoking the 25th Amendment. You continued to work there. Tell me why you went back, because obviously you feel very passionately about this and you've been very brave in your testimony. But you still, on January 7th, went back to work. No, I did. And, you know, I I wish I had a glossy and short cookie cutter answer for you, Jake, but you know, it's something that I still struggle with to this day. But I will say and I, I would like to also reference what Alyssa did on that day, Alyssa Farrah Griffin. I remember sitting in the office and I, I I was very outspoken on January sixth and every day after that I strongly disagreed with right, what internally, happened. yes. Correct, correct, internally. But when I saw Alyssa on TV that day, it was this moment for me where I sort of felt that split because on one hand I was very upset with her. You know, she was one of my closest friends and I was upset with her for a variety of reasons. But the one that I think is the most potent for this conversation is I felt that she, what she did that day was disloyal. Right. And saying that now with the hindsight and the experience that I've had sounds ludicrous. Well, but, but it's an honest answer. I but it, but it is. And it, but I, and I think that's the important part of this transformation period for me 
Because on the other hand, when I saw her there, there, there was a little bit of envy. This is, a, again, this is important. There may actually be some journalism going on here. Because we are not going to get a full-on, especially in, in, the, in the federal court system, because we're not going to get uh, we're not going to get it live as it happens. We're not going to get um, video live feeds, barring some kind of a miracle of what happens in D.C. or Florida. We're not going to have a genuine Nuremberg trial moment for something that genuinely deserves a Nuremberg trial. No, I am not equating it. I'm saying that that degree of granular detail, day after day, day in, day out, we're not going to get. And I, like I said earlier, I don't know if she's on uh, Jack Smith's or uh, Fonnie Willis's witness lists. But these are t- these are telling remark disloyal. But she has seen the light. And when someone sees the light, you support them. And you try to make sure that they don't go back into the darkness. That is why I understand, as I understand it, uh, in various recovery programs, there are in fact sponsors. John Dean never went back. Hopefully neither will she. But she was mad at Elisa Farrah Griffin for making uh, making a, a moral, ethically judgmental call right, you know, lickety-split, right off the bat. Maybe it was a maturity thing. Maybe we'll find out with fur. Maybe it's a matter of read the book. Now from Time Life in its Old West series. John Wesley Harden, a man who once shot a man just for snoring. Somewhere in these Chiricahua Hills. Robin, it's not necessary. But this is, this is, and she's probably not deviating from the script of the book. But she is trying to explain herself because in fairly short order, she is going to be absolutely savaged. There is a word out there that only that, only that thing is that word. And I will not use it. But she is going to be intellectually, emotionally, torn to pieces 
by the monstrosities who remain loyal and remain in the cult. I forget the woman's name who left Scientology and has sued them. And there are a number of people who have left Scientology and recognized it for the cult that it is and you know, maybe didn't have the scratch to really, really climb that, uh, that ladder and got out. And the attacks on those people for their disloyalty has been nonstop. I think it was Scientology that early in, or, or early in its its growth literally mailed someone a rattlesnake in a box for having dared to step outside the bounds of the cult's control. I don't know what kind of security she has. But when Annette and I were watching this early early this morning and she heard her talking, she said, oh, she better be careful. She's not safe. Ah, Leah Remini. Right. Thank you, Ralphs. Serving as the Horn Ad Hoc uh, Scientology uh, departing. Research Department, Leah Remini. Okay. Yeah, New York Times um, link. She sued Scientology. Yes. Uh, Steve in New York also, Leah Remini. Back to the clip. You know, I, I was proud of her for doing what she felt that she had to be doing and for using her voice. And I give Alyssa a lot of credit. You know, I... I eventually came to her side, and she was the one that welcomes me. She was the first person that actually welcomed me and helped me get to this point. But I say all this, Jake, because I I did struggle with what I should do. I had committed to moving to Florida with the former president. And again, it's that push-pull inside of me where on one hand, I felt that January 6th happened because we, the staff, didn't do enough to stop it, that we, the staff, should have not let people around him that would have stroked this desire for him to overturn the election on January 6th. Are you singing the... Uh-oh. That that one... She still felt protective of Nitwit Nero. That it was people around him who were pushing him toward this, not that it was his fundamental pathology. Maybe she's since sorted it out that it began with him. It didn't get to him. It's, you know, the fish rotted from the head. Oh no. Book that you felt complicit. I mean, you're but honest I, about correct. That. Yes, but then there's this, there's the other side of me where I I was afraid to look disloyal. I was afraid to split from the world because once you're in that environment, cult, and have the access and have the insight and knowledge that you do, you sort of feel like there's a target on your back. So I I, I did not move to Florida with him, but I stayed on payroll with him for several months after the end of the administration. Lady, get paid. Yeah, she'd moved to Florida with him. She might have her name on a fancy federal indictment now herself.
But those checks cleared. Um, and I still had that the the moral dilemma inside of me through that through that whole period. So and it's a pu- push pull of the one pole is um, doing the right thing. Correct. And then the the other pole is loyalty and fear. Correct. Is that right? That, that's that's fairly accurate. I also would like to say though, you know, I before I was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee, I I did work to slowly start to separate. I wanted to start a new chapter in my career because I disagreed with not only what happened on January 6th, but I saw the trajectory of Republican politics. And I didn't want to be a direct part of that for the most part. Again, it was difficult. And I, I'm not trying to make excuses. I, I, I don't have a hero's complex over here. I, I know a lot of what I did was wrong, but you know, I got to where I am today. Um, but it was an important year for me because I was able to look back and reflect on things that one, that I was complicit in, but also understand the dangers of what we were doing at the White House. So there are a couple things in the book that I just want to ask you quick questions about. You write about Mark Meadows burning documents in the fireplace in the chief of staff's office. Now, he has said or his spokesman has said this was not about documents. They were just using newspaper to get the fire going. Uh, I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. What, what do you think he was actually burning there? Was it newspaper? I I can't speak to what exactly he was burning, I, but I am confident that it wasn't just newspaper. Do you think he was burning documents? I mean, you, su- you suggest in the book that what he was doing could have been a violation of the Presidential Records Act. It could have been, yes. Um, you write about being at a Trump rally in Georgia, and Trump asks Meadows to meet with Hunter Biden's old business partner, Tony partner, Tony Bubuleski. You write, quote, I had a weird feeling that we were in danger. I couldn't explain it, but the feeling was real. Why was why was the White House chief of staff meeting with Tony Bobolesky? You're asking me the same question that I've asked myself since that I night. Mean, so random. That was that was also a, right, because we had been in public with Tony Bobolinsky a yeah. few weeks before at the Nashville debates. So the fact that Trump and his associates but they were, were meeting in contact secretly, right? Se- in secretly, this yes. I mean, when Mark got off the plane. Actually, Oh, it's Trump, but his chief of staff is still Mark. We, the staff, Matt in San Francisco notes, maybe if I just cooked Papa's dinner just right, he wouldn't have beaten me. Daddy. And I mean nothing salacious by that. There's no insinuation there. This is this is a young woman who was what six years from being eligible to vote. Seven years from not being able to be held criminally responsible. Four years from being a teenager. Uh, right, burning documents. Matt says he could have been cooking s'mores. What the fuck? His suits, plural. And and you're not. No, I'm pretty sure they've got central heat in the White House. And you know, it was still working. 
Oh, we were just building a fire in the fireplace for the, for the, for the, for the cozy surroundings. There were oil drums outside the bunker and inside, apparently, where documents were burned. Almost every movie about the end of the Second World War shows German officers throwing paperwork into a burn barrel. Let's see. um, Battle of the Bulge. Patton. When uh, the officer throws the the, the 8x10 glossy photograph of George Patton on the fire and says... The end of this war will end him too, you know, ominously. They couldn't even trust the incinerator at the White House. They couldn't. Do you remember back during the reign of error when entire fleets of industrial shredding trucks were showing up? At the White House? Remember that? Then again, there's the White House plumbing. Clogged with documents that Nitwit Nero was trying to flush down them. And then he complains about plumbing in a speech... Yeah, sometimes you have to flush two or three times. I hate these modern toilets. And by the way, thank you to Reverbo, who pointed out, I want to get the language just right here. Uh, Your hilarious Trump impression got me thinking, it's a zombified Mr. Burns. That's wild. I always thought of him as a cross between Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys and Carl the Assistant Greenskeeper and Caddyshack. Yeah, right. There's another movie reference. Uh, Emilio says, I love the smell of burning evidence in the morning. Smells like victory. Yeah, I won. I really did. I won. So those are those are side and and she didn't feel she didn't come across I mean that's Jake Tapper and uh, Willie Geist Jake Tapper at CNN Willie Geist at MSNBC and in neither one does she sound like she's working from a script so it sounds like she'd be a pretty good witness. Even if the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells doesn't think she didn't date Matt Gates for six months. I mean, the incredulity of racist Bannon. Well, I'd date him. I'll bet you would, Steve. Makes your, makes your polo shirts just pop, doesn't he?
And then there's uh, the clips a couple of days old, but there's Kristen Welker who got the big chair at the meet, at Meet the Press and decided that her first hard-hitting interview would be with wah, wah, Nitwit Nero. Well, this past Sunday, James Clyburn showed up there for an interview with her. And basically wasn't taking her bullshit. It is very, very important. Because Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, the Benghazi of our time. We will hear about Hunter Biden till we're all fit to lose our mind. Yeah, she asked it. She asked him about the fact that the maggots want to impeach President Biden. And she, she, she did the maggots work for them. Pay attention to the language. It's almost like she got a list of talking points from Jim Jacketoff Jordan. Or maybe James Wiley Coyote super genius Calmer. It is very, very important uh, for going forward. Now, that doesn't mean that I want them to do things that are unseemly uh, to the name. I do want them uh, to use the name to their benefit. And yet President Biden, according to one witness testimony, was on the phone 20 times with Hunter Biden's business associates. It was described as pleasantries, but is that appropriate? Well, his associates said they were pleasantries, but I think it's appropriate to be a father to your son. And if your son uh, is having a problem, and we all know the history of the problem uh, that Hunter has with addiction, and he is being a father to his son. You don't impeach a man for being a his father to his children. Son. Congressman Jim Clyburn, thank you so much for being Oh, she's just awesome, isn't she? Well, I mean, she's not joke-toed. Joke-toed would have just let Jim Jacket off Jordan do the questioning. But with that said, here's another one of those moments... Hi, Joe. Hi, Mika. Where you can't help but wonder. <laughs> eh, so far out in front of the curve, it's like straight road. Like I said, we're into the second hour of the program. we got 300 bucks to raise. We, we're, we're, we're on top of two days of Larry and Liberalville's week-long challenge. We raised 200 bucks a night. Then... Larry doubles the 200 bucks for each day, giving us a chance to end September fully funded. We are presently at zero. But 200 bucks, I, I said earlier 300, it's not, it's two. And uh, anything over 200 gets a 10% bonus on top. And we got some little bonus, got a little bonus action already going on. Thank you so much, Larry. Larry in Liberalville. 
we need to keep that momentum going. So thanks to anybody who jumps in to help make that possible. No, we've been, <laughs> we've been talking. I mean, this is not this is not prophecy. You know, I, I, it's all a game when I play about how they're. You know, um, we're, we're we here, we few, we happy few, are who they tune into before bedtime. But still, ah, maybe just uh, maybe just gooning on the multimillionaire for-profit media for how they handle this blithering bullshit, otherwise known as the coverage of Julius Geezer. Maybe it's just maybe it's just a shiny thing, and it's easy to see. But then again, I'm not a member of the multi-millionaire for-profit media, so it's a little easier. Well, cat in Ohio, thank you. So here we are, the third day in which we have met Larry in Liberalville's challenge. Cat, you're amazing. So that's three days out of five. We've done it. We're very close. We're two days away from finishing the first month since April fully funded. <sighs> that's your humble hostess is thrilled and relieved. But I'm not counting any unhatched chickens because those unhatched chickens' names are Thursday and Friday. Woohoo, says Ralphs. Yes, woohoo. Um, before we go to this thing, uh, Matt in San Francisco, calling your son. The Republican outrage over Joe Biden calling his son is an admission that the only time they talk to their sons is when they need to be bailed out of jail or need help covering up a crime. Yes, and I'm sorry, but I can't help thinking uh, what the parenting style of Tangerine Tiberius must have been like relative. Look, 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 look how his boys turned out. I mean, we don't know about the kid, uh, the kid that lives with that woman that Nitwit Nero is married to. Uh, But the two older boys are absolute garbage. What was the na- what was the name of the horrible kid in Toy Story that tore up the toys and turned them into uh, visions of his own nightmare psyche? Can't remember. Those guys, or you know, dumber and dumberer, or the fact that I can never remember which one between Eric the Dumber and Nitwit Junior. Which one's Beavis and which one's Butthead? <laughs> and the story, believable, of the day that he, that uh, Nitwit Jr. was supposed to go to a ball game in, I think, New York, maybe, with his daddy, and had his Yankees stuff on, maybe. I, 
can't imagine. Well, maybe it was the Mets. Kevin in Colorado Springs would be horrified if it was the Mets. But upon arriving at his uh, at his room, Nitwit Nero slapped the kid around a little bit and said, "Put on a suit and tie. Look like somebody. You look like a hooligan." What a dad. Well, okay, I thought about doing that. I figured everybody knew. Hunter Biden, Brother Deacon Asa, Dagnabbit Kincaid, if you're going to use the ballot of Hunter Biden on the program, it's only appropriate that you bestow proper attribution to our dearly beloved Scotty in accordance with Creative Commons. Yes, sincerely, Brother Deacon. Absolutely. Just didn't want to bring... I know. We need to we need to find a clip of him the, the day that he introduced that and get the clip of him singing Hunter Biden Hunter Biden. It was a collaborative effort. So anyway, back to my filthy morning habit. They were very busy today, and you know, not wrong. But then again. Uh, Annette and I were watching. She's like, wait a minute, didn't they give him a billion dollars worth of free publicity? Yes, dear. Has numbed many people, his supporters, but also members of the media. So when he puts up a, a post that says, Mark Milley, decorated <laughs> Joint Chiefs of Talking Staff to Chairman, Molly John Fast in, in better days, there. as Trump put it, would be hanged for treason. People go, oh, there he goes again. That's not a, no, 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 no. So I think it's, as to your point, it's on us, it's on the media, it's on everybody to not be numb to it. Yeah. Just every time he does something like that, they just say, no, this is not normal. We can't have our politics, our country be like this. And it gets lost in the shuffle. I mean, a week before, Trump went after liberal Jews on Rosh Hashanah. And that was like a crazy thing. You know, if you're if you're with us, you have to be with us. If you if you care about Israel, one of the most anti-Semitic tropes that you can you can get involved in. And it just was lost in the shuffle. And I do think people are really scared of swinging at every pitch. But if you don't draw attention to this craziness, Trump will get reelected and it will be in some way our fault. I have thought about this a lot, meaning I think that it was it was it was sort of true even prior to Trump that um, that the media could overcorrect in terms of Democrat covering Democrats um, versus Republicans as to not as to not appear biased. But do you think that that I feel like there's also an element that people don't want to feel duped again, like that they're shocked by what Trump there seems to be a reluctance to be shocked because then you seem naive. Naive, unsophisticated. I'm not like, what do you, what do you think that is? I mean, I think, look, Trump got, you know, two billion dollars of free media. Those were the estimates after 20. Yeah, that's that's about the time that Annette said to me what she said. Uh, but Molly Jong Fast is, is is an urbane sophisticate, so she didn't say. And a billion of it came from this program. 
16. So there is you don't want to cover him in this incredulous way where you're like, Trump says something racist. Oh, you know, and you and you repeat the lie like you do want to focus on the kind of truth sandwich element. You don't want to quote him incredulously. But I also think, you know, this is like a 911 for democracy, right? Like there's nothing more important than keeping our democracy. And we saw with the with Trump's first season as president that season. uh, Well played, Molly. Ended that presidency barely ended by his own will. John, Republicans, particularly in the House, who've looked the other way on all... Yeah, just one observation, because we do it here. Maybe one way of going about that and avoiding the incredulity and 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 avoiding any sense of naivete is, one, to take it head on and start talking about him. And they've done it a little bit, and some other outlets have as well. They're free to, you know, this is creative commons, right, Brother Deacon Asa? Um, y'all are free to use the term soak. Refer to him as soak. Son of a Klansman. Start there. But the other thing is to do another, uh, 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 t- take another play out of our little playbook here, this little radio show, and start talking not so much about what he says and does, but start doing the jacques at the people who continue to support him, at the, the, the ordinary folks who put two-inch by one-inch Trump 2024 stickers on the buggy corral at Walmart in Fayetteville, West Virginia. What the is wrong with you? By the way, back to the buggies. Uh, Hi, Jessica. Buggy is a southern term. I worked with a woman from South Carolina who always said buggy. Minnesotans called them shopping carts. In the UK, shopping trolley or just trolley. And of course, in Germany, they are Schopenfahrenpanzers. I just made that one up. But I like it. Schopenfahrenpanzer. Shopping driving tanks. We gotta inject a little humor in here, but really, start breaching the fourth wall. Lean into the cameras at what is wrong with you people. Because see, with the exception of the the hard cases and the dead enders, and I've seen this on multiple occasions in D.C., hotels in D.C., um, a lot of offices in D.C., early morning, they'll have morning show on. They don't have Fox and Fiends on. Unless it's some, you know, unless you're in the office of the demon dentist of the desert or or some such, or, you know, Clanny Oakley. Uh, Thank you to our anonymous friend jumping in on today's challenge. Thank you. We're actually we're actually fifty dollars away from our usual uh, nightly goal, which is fantastic. Which means we get a a uh, bump. 
probably not the best term, uh, on this evening. Thank you, uh, kind Internet Anonymous friend. Thank you, Cat in Ohio. Thank you, Larry in Liberalville. Uh, let's, uh, uh, what would happen? What would happen if these multimillionaires started relating what Mango Mussolini says with the people who empower him to say it? Maybe tomorrow morning, ask those non-union workers in Michigan who are going to show up and be set pieces for his attempt to glom the spotlight away from the seven dwarves. Maybe quote him, don't necessarily, well, okay, use the actuality if you must. But then make it about the people who showed up and empowered him. Because if he showed up to an empty hall, he'd suddenly he'd, he'd suddenly he'd suddenly get a case of the galloping the, the, the galloping political trots because people the people covering would say and by the way he spoke to an empty building and it doesn't take too many more of those that Donald Trump has done from January 6th, the, the continued lies about the election, all these indictments have set up Hunter Biden as some sort of an equivalent to that. Press, why aren't you covering the Hunter Biden story the way that you covered January 6th, as if there's an equivalency there? That's how they're pitching it. Yeah, it's what about us in the highest form. And to Molly's point, they have worked the refs. They they have they claim bias, they claim uh, prejudice from the media. If any time they, they've adopted Trump's philosophy that fake news does not apply to a story that's not true, it just applies to a story that's negative. Right. He doesn't like, uh, and and th- that is now the the sort of ethos of the Republican Party. And look, this is a challenge for the media. We we uh, you know I think largely fell down on the job in 2016 in many ways. Improved for 2020, no doubt. Realized you. Couldn't just take Trump live. You couldn't just you couldn't just put it in a, twi- a tweet or a cable chyron. You had to provide fact checking. You had to provide context. You sometimes had to say no. He's lying right now, right now. And I think that we have done that, but we have a long way to go. It's not perfect. We've never had a candidate like this before. An insurrectionist candidate, someone who threatened to overthrow our democracy, and he can't be treated just like anybody else. I agree. Yeah, you know, it, it, it took me a while. We we hung up on him and started, you know, again. Wait a and, minute. And I've got to say. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Somebody play the altar call. Somebody get the choir to singing just very lowly, almost sub-vocally. Just as I am without one hope. That's the closest there's ever been to a confession. I want to hear that again. This candidate, someone who threatened to overthrow our democracy, and he can't be treated just like anybody else. I agree. Yeah, you know, it, it, it took me a while. We we hung up on huh? and started, you know, again. And, and I've got to say, I don't know how anybody, 
And I've been called and people have asked me my opinion because we've known Trump for a long time. How do you interview Trump? You start by asking the question that a lot of people ask. And you have to ask this question. Is Joe Biden president of the United States? Do you still yes. not believe that Joe Biden? And then you're just hammering. And you can't let it go on to economic development no. while this guy is still talking about stealing democracy and overturning a presidential because that's election. that's an acceptance of a lie. And you can't do that. That's a disservice to viewers or readers. Yeah, we saw what, what, what happened when Mehdi had Vivek on. And he just kept going back to the same question over and over and over again, because Vivek was just shooting all over the place, trying to distract, trying to move on to something else. We'll throw it in. Oh, we have a new participle here. In other words, we, we, we wake Ramaswamy was trumping out here it's it's pure it's it's straight out of the donald trump playbook and you just can't do it you have to stay focused on the issue at hand and and as as we move forward it, it is true that that trumpers have played the refs and they're constantly playing the refs and so you know molly i i, I we got to go A lot of lost sheep returning to the fold lately. Going to be a lot of fatted calves getting killed. A lot of prodigals returning home. Let's run over to the stress line. Hey, welcome to the program. Hello? Yeah, so... Darlene! So, hey! It's nice that... Hey! So... It's nice that Molly Ringwald there with the hair figured it out. <laughs> you! I'm sorry, I'm just not impressed. You know, maybe maybe it is remarkable because she's part of the legacy media shtick, but you've been talking about the gross normalization of Trump's wacko behavior for quite some time. Uh, ben Mycellus, the Midas Touch, he, he is every single day pounding that, um, drum? That idea that about, you know, the legacy media normalizing Trump and his behavior that they should not be doing and what an incredible disservice this is. That is to our fledgling attempt at a democracy. So she is a regular contributor on your filthy money habit, Molly there. I'm not impressed, you know, and, and it's almost as if what she wrote was somehow remarkable and groundbreaking. And of course, their, you know, their filthy morning habit is peddling her article at the same time to make sure that, you know, they can get eyeballs on it for her. But I'm unimpressed. It's like, um, oh, I don't know. Um, how do I, how do I put this, how do I put this simply and diplomatically? Duh. 
Yeah, and and I mean, I'm not. I'm Am not. I wrong gonna, here? No, 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 no. Uh, it's 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 transactional. <laughs> I mean, she she's yeah. she's she's not on the show because she and Joe and Mika and Willie and Jonathan Lemire had an all night marathon game of risk, and I've been involved in some of those. Start with the sun going down. Finish with the sun going up and yelling, Kamchatka is mine. Um, it, it, no, that the, they're not. It's transactional, and so there, you know, there's an economic benefit to her, basically um, uh, recapping what she wrote. But Darlene, there again, we are spoiled in our bubble. We are not surprised by any of this because we've been paying attention. We know what he is. We've known what he is all along. We were having a, we were having hissies when they were giving out, you know, million million dollar uh, the, the show blocks to him, and he didn't even have to show up on set. Yeah. But there is a segment yeah. of the population that doesn't know that. That has happened, you know, they were not touched by any of his policies. You know, it's all that Pastor Niemöller, uh, Pastor Niemöller verse. You know, these are people, you know, they, they came for the trade unionists and these people didn't care because they weren't a trade unionist. They came for they came for the Hispanic people and they didn't care because they weren't Hispanic. Etc., et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. But I get, but 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 it it has. I I guess it has some it has some shock value. uh, If you're if you're among that class that uh, knows which fork to use with the with the shrimp. The lobster. Yeah, lobster. I guess it's it's a different it's a different planet, you know that's um. Nicole Wallace refers to Planet One and Planet Two. <laughs> so, you know, to a certain degree, maybe your filthy morning habit has its foot in both planets. <laughs> but overall, the legacy media is seems to be kind of stuck on Planet Two. Um, and you know, let's let's be honest. If you look at, I mean, um. Joe and Nika are in the kind of in the Trump sort of echelon in terms of their worth. Um, you know, I've seen their beautiful brick mansion. Um, I mean, on the internet, I've never actually seen it in real life, but it's like the home alone house on steroids. Oh my. So they're, you know, they're not hurting. Um, Financially, now. No, and, I and, think... and, he, and right, he makes a point of it. You know, we've 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 known him for years. They moved in the same circles. And they ate the right. same. They, they, his... they, they, they ate the same hummingbird tongue canapes. Oh, sorry. Oh, and. As in, in the evolution of Joe Scarborough, as slow and steady as, as it is, thank, thank you, Nika, 
Um, yeah, seriously. I think. I I think he. Um. I think he is a little scared because you know he has been saying that you know if Trump gets back in, and and Trump actually I think did come out and say he, he's going after Emerson. he's going to go after them and so they're not safe yeah after sitting down to a love fest with Kristen Welker he said that well yeah she's yeah um, and she's another one Um, we thought that um, what was his name was it Chris Todd Uh, Joe Todd Chuck Todd Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd. And before that, that, Disco Dave. Yes. And, you know, but some hidden, uh, some, and I don't know if they did this on purpose because the backlash against Kristen has been so severe. Uh, But I don't know if you heard that they released um, unseen video from that interview. That, uh, it was what, it was how the, um, interview started out. And, and she actually, something must have happened there because I think they released it because it actually made her look a lot better because she really, in, in this, in the video that they cut, which Trump predicted they would cut. Any wink, wink, not bad. Um, she wasn't letting him get away with anything. She was calling him out on everything. And they were talking over each other. And she kept having to say, look, we need to move on. We have a lot of other things. But he would say, you know, um, uh, I'm covered by the presidential records. I know you're not. That's not what it says. I mean, she was tit for tat. She was, good. she was challenging everything. And Apparently, at least this is what what uh, they're saying that um, they did a timeout on the interview and had them take a breather and then start again. And we see what we I wonder, what we uh, had, uh, what uh, was uh, aired. I wonder what I wonder what I wonder, I wonder who the ref was who called the timeout. Yes, and moreover, what they said in the timeout, you know, because my guess is is that Trump dictated the lion's share of the terms of that interview, and my guess is whoever called the timeout basically had a talk with Kristen and said, "You need to back off." Um, so we're, we're dealing with, um, a fourth estate that is is severely falling down on the job. And I am happy that programs like yours and even, you know, sadly it has a much wider audience, um, at this point. Um, but I think it's good. Um, Midas Touch keeps accumulating viewers. 
So I think they're over 1.5 million, and they keep going and going. And they're likable now. They're mostly really white. So there's a problem there in terms of the people that um, are on that um, as an AIR on that uh, platform and on YouTube and with the podcast and all that. Um, so they have a little bit of a ways to go, um, but they they are. Um, I'm sorry, I just heard a bang, so I've got to kind of tool around here. Let me know if my um, my reception goes out. Okay. But um, so at this point, it seems that um, more and more people are are hearing them, listening to them. And there, in certain respects, at least on the digital platforms, are more have more viewers than um, than MSNBC. Oh, it's, oh, geez, it's a oh, okay, it's a fox. That little bastard must be asking my rabbit. Oh, a real fox. Hold on, I got to scare it. Yep. Oh, he's beautiful. Yeah, he's coming around. I'm trying to scare him away because he's going to kill my rabbit. No. I wonder if he went after my rabbit. Oh no 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 no! I have I have I have baby rabbit and cute baby rabbit, and I heard something bang, and my guess is the rabbit must have wigged. I hope, and it looked like it wanted to go after my rabbit. So hopefully, it did not kill my rabbit because I just scared him off. Yeah, he shows up on the property. He's gorgeous. Uh, he's a red uh, a red fox. Um, but he saw me. Wait, is he is he, t- is, he t- is he telling dirty jokes? He's a red fox. What? <laughs> Get it? What? Well, <laughs> you tell me dirty joke. Oh, red, oh, red fox. Oh, you bad. That was good, though. Thank you. Ding, ding. Oh, okay. Yeah, red fox. You need to go back to the junkyard. Well, you know, Scott so, Scott uh, always Scott always yeah. quoted him the, the line, if you can read the handwriting on the wall, you're in the toilet. There you go. So there's our second Scott reference uh, of the evening. Well, what the hell was I talking about? Uh, before I got distracted, because I'm trying to save my, my rabbits. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they're doing a good job doing the contract. And also you can see it gets under bed my skin when basically they're being accused of being liberal and trying to dismiss them on that whole bullshit framing, which he's like, look, yeah, my tendency is to be more towards democratic values and, you know, that kind of thing. But he says, I'm just, we just start off with the facts. These are the facts. This is what Trump said. This is what Trump did. These are the facts. And then we'll give our opinion. But we always are fact and data-based. So they're, they're cutting through a lot of the um, haze and fog that um, Fox and Fox News <laughs> and um, the legacy media gen- legacy media generally has um, shown up that has made um, has made things very confusing for people who probably are not like us, where we're we live and breathe this stuff, and we're constantly tuned in and watching and listening and looking. But for people that, you know, are trying to survive financially or, you know, or, or got or, you know, a slew of kids that they got to take care of and the mortgage to pay and all of that. 
Um, so that, that, that's, that's what I wanted to say on that. Good for you, Molly Yaskin, for, you know, doing a Naomi whatever and figuring it out. Um, good for you. <laughs> you know, I mean, better late than never. But for her to get any kind of kudos that somehow this is remarkable, you know, no, I, no, I'm not prepared to give her that kind of credit. Um, because we should expect more um, of the fourth estate. Um, now we get to Cassidy Hutchinson. Yeah, Cassidy. So she's been doing the rounds uh, big time on MSNBC. Um, I don't know if you saw her on Lawrence O'Donnell's program and who she took inspiration from. Um, you mean Liz Cheney? Well, that was one of them, but no, um, Mr. Butterfield. Was it Arthur Butterfield from the uh, from Watergate, who testified at the Watergate hearings many, many, many years ago? And he's in a, he's like in his nineties now, um, and she knew intuitively that this that there were parallels to Watergate. Alec- and yeah, Alex- um, Alexander Butterfield. Alexander Butterfield, and she tried to reach out to him, uh, but she bought his book, and she said she read it several times in one night, and that she tried to reach out to him, but he kind of just ignored her her requests, um, and then her mother called her and said, Lawrence O'Donnell is on, I think, I think you might want to watch this. She tunes in, and there's Alexander Butterfield um, being interviewed on this program. Oh wow! So, so, so she, her publisher, and she, you know, they reached out to Lawrence, to Lawrence O'Donnell and his program, and Lawrence O'Donnell's program set her up to meet with him, to meet with Alexander Butterfield, and face to face. I think he lives in California. She went all the way out to California to meet him, and um, he had a very nice encouraging word for her at the uh, video, you know, pre-tape, uh, videotape word for her that Lawrence O'Donnell showed her on the program. Um, I don't know how I feel about Cassidy Hutchinson. <laughs> um, she's classic in the sense that, you know, she is clearly very likable. Uh, she's beautiful. She's elegant. She's extremely intelligent on some level. Um, or level. Um, she is very believable, and I think she will make an excellent witness. Um, it is, you know, with, um, Fonnie Willis and, uh, for Fonnie Willis and Jack Smith, because, uh, Popak, I might as such, um, and I believe them, myself as well, do think, or they have information that she is, in fact, she is, she has, in fact, been talking to them. She's been cooperating with them. And Fonnie Willis. So she's had her teeth cut. She cut her teeth on the, you know, with the January 6th committee and did a very good job. Despite the fact that she said that she was ready to flee, that as they were, as she was preparing to go into the hearing room, you know, the televised hearing room, she, she wanted to run. And she turned to her lawyer and said, I don't want, I, you know, I, I don't think I want to do this. But he's like, you have to do this. You must do this. 
So she said, he, you know, he, he basically, or she, I, I think it was a man or was it a woman, I can't remember who at the time, forced her in there. And um, she did extremely, she did extremely well. And she's had a lot of practice even behind the scenes before, you know, she was actually there in front of the cameras. You know, she, there was a I mean, she was in front of um, not, you know, not national cameras, not national television, but certainly behind the scenes with all of the depositions and interviews that were, that were, you know, videoed and, and taped. So she's had a lot of experience and she already challenged um, Mark Meadows. Uh, I think when he um, tried to uh, minimize uh, or call into question her claims about Rudy Giuliani. And she said, look, I, I'll, I'll be happy to testify to that under oath, will you? If he wants to testify that to that under oath or any of the things I've said, have at it. She goes, I will testify under oath. And you do that, Mark. So she's already, you know, she's already calling as well. So I think uh, she's quite capable. Um, and that's where the, where the, Counterintuitiveness lies, I guess, with the, I'm still a Republican. Um, and really deep down in her psyche, what's going on? Um, and you talked about present tense versus past tense. And I guess how her publisher or editor or whoever coached her on writing the book was able to kind of get her to look at things. Uh, in the present tense, um, I I sometimes wonder if it's um, how you how you choose to remember things, um, and I'm not talking like skewing them, but you know, like you, I mean, I've been in counseling, you know, I've had I've had some stints in it. Um, the latest one's aftermath of, a, of an awful relationship. Lasted a couple of years. The guy was brilliant, a particular counselor. He's brilliant. And he told me, um, he said that there are two ways that people remember things. Um, and he said either when you ask them to recall an event, like a traumatic event or um, something that was hurtful or whatever, the person will remember them in one of two ways. Either they they remember it as if they are actually going through the whole ordeal again, that they're in it, and that you can, and that a really good counselor can tell when a person is doing that. Um, or or they will remember it as if they're watching a movie, and they're sitting on the sidelines or on a bench, looking at the incident unfold. That, that they were part of. They're watching themselves as part of it. So they're, they're somewhat divested from it. And he told me, that's a good trick for you to use, by the way, because I am totally the first type of memory, um, recaller. I'm, I'm like, I'm in it. And it's like, I am, it's almost like being re-traumatized. It's like I'm there. It's like everything else is currently happening in the present is not even happening. It's, um, I'm back in that moment. So if you might want to try, you know, say an intrusive thought, I mean, you might want to try 
if you're replaying something that happened, try it where you're sitting on the bench and you're watching, you're watching it unfold and take an observational attitude towards it. So I don't know what this person did for her. Um, I did understand, or I did hear that um, it seemed as though she did not have a good relationship with her father. Um, so I'm wondering if there was some trauma there with, with Cassidy Hutchinson, because my understanding was she went to her father to ask him for help when she realized that the attorney that that Trump had hired for her was misguiding her and misleading her. And she she was pretty desperate at that point. And didn't know how she was going to pay for um, another attorney. And I think she went to her father and said, look, I'm in trouble. Can you help me pay for um, another attorney? I I need to see, um, you know, what this attorney says, because this other attorney is telling me to, to act like I don't remember. You know, I can't recall. I can't recall. I can't recall, which is still perjuring yourself. So. He said, my understanding is, the story goes that he said, you're on your own. I'm not helping you. So, I wonder if that's because he's, uh, he's still in the tank for Nitwit Nero? Could be. Could be, but she pretty much was on her own. Um, now, she did mention on Lawrence O'Donnell's show that she went home to see her parents, and I, I I want to say Florida. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Was she talking about, you know, or her parents' divorce and her parents, you know, from her stepfather? I don't know. But um, to me, she is reminiscent of the type of brunette that seems to get drawn in or sucked in by these maggots and by Trump and his whole crew. So I think, speaking of Midas touch, um, Jessica Denson, who is another one. I've not warmed up to her, but basically she's practically a spitting image of Cassidy Hutchinson or a similar type look, right? So, you know, the beautiful brunette hair, the beautiful face, features, all of that. I'm not trying to be... I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do anything wrong here, but isn't that the Trump type? Well, it's certainly one of the Trump types. I, I mean, mean remember, remember, um, you, remember, you remember Hopi? Hope Hicks? Hopi? Yeah, Hopi Hicks. Oh, yes. Yes, it's the same... That's, that's one of the Trump... Yes, that's one of the lines... <laughs> Is the whole Hicks, Jessica Denson, um, that McDougal woman who was another one that got the NDA that but isn't as famous as Tommy Daniels, who was another line. Stormy's a blonde, you know. Um, his, oh, and his, remember, Mc, McDougal was heartbroken was, because yeah. she was in love. She was in love. And what's interesting is he's never really said anything bad about her. He's never said a word. He really has not said anything bad about her. He may really have liked her because one of the things that um, Stormy Daniels um, had said was that somebody there 
or no, it was someone else. Um, I can't remember who it was at you know the parties with the with the Playboy buddies and all that stuff. And Melanola was there, and she was pissed at them. They weren't talking to each other, blah blah blah. And somebody approached McDougal basically and said, um, "I think she's she's angry at him because of you." So this this McDougal woman may have been a real threat for Melanoma. And look, we know we know. Look, come on. I mean. Uh-oh, you've hauled out the you come know, on. You know, not an arrangement. Okay, there's an arrangement there. As long as she gets a cut for herself and her kid, um, she'll, and she can have her sling on the side with whatever, security guard or whatever. She's in it, so she's in it till he kicks. And I'm sure... I'm sure she's done everything that she can do to to conserve or preserve or secure whatever multi-millions she's been able to get out of this marriage. So, anyway, so Cassidy falls in that, in that Hope Hicks line or type. Um, and with this Jessica Denson, okay, very religious, Christian, okay, <clears throat> um, 100% bought hook, line, and stinker that Democrats were, were demonic. She believed all that. Oh, sure. Oh no! It, she did. She said it. Oh no! I'm I, no. That's what I meant. Oh sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and it's funny because you know, and this is one of the things where I'm not sure I agree with my discussion. <clears throat> but there's, but on the flip side, I guess they're trying to say, look, we're, we're trying to be a democratic movement. We're trying to draw in the, the quote unquote good Republicans, <laughs> like the Jessica Densons, like the uh, Cassidy Hutchinsons. Um, who are like supposedly the true conservatives, but I, I wonder, I mean, I don't know if she said anything about this or if it's in her book, but you know, maybe there's a good chance that that is sort of an, the explanation maybe for Cassidy Hutchinson and I'm still a Republican. She can be very religious. And, uh, with the whole Christian thing, they, they have done a very good job, um, in, uh, demonizing Democrats to the point where Jesus could be a Democrat and they they they, they crucify him again. You know? Sure. So, yeah. so again part of that you know, semi cult or cult mentality. Which brings me to another question. Um, because I was thinking about this yesterday and I wanted to call in, but I didn't, I couldn't. Uh, actually, things are pretty settled tonight with the dogs, so I'll have the time to call in. Um, is, and you were touching on this yesterday, um, is, you know, do we need a Republican Party? Do we need a two-party system? Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, like Nancy keeps saying that. 
you know, um, even, I think I even heard um, Jimmy Raskin equate it, you know, we, you know, the two-party system and equate it with the Constitution because he, he, he loves the Constitution. But I'm like, huh? Do we, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm really throwing that out there for discussion and debate. Do we really need a two-party? You know, I know our framers and our founders weren't thrilled with the, with the idea of, of political parties. Right. Oh, so, yeah. Well, I, so that's where I was going. And, uh, it, well, it, you know, Federalist Ten is is probably it may very well be the most fascinating of all the Federalist Papers to read. James Madison ties, I mean, ties himself in every kind of knot that a sailor knows how to tie, arguing against what he calls faction, which is political parties. And then and, and and preaches. I mean, preaches, Darlene, that faction will be the end of democracy and is the greatest enemy of the Constitution as it is being envisioned. And then starts trying to talk himself out of it. All of this happens in the in, in Federalist Ten, and he says, "Well, you know, okay, maybe like if people who have common." interests band together like you know maybe the 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 the, the beer barrel make the coopers uh maybe they'll they'll maybe they'll find common cause with uh, uh lumberjacks and says wow well, okay that kind of makes sense but even by the end of federalist 10 you can tell He's not entirely sold. He's whistling past a graveyard. And so, and and I think in in the context of this issue that you have raised, there's, there's an observation to be made, namely, that Cassidy Hutchinson has a future. And I think she knows she has a future. And you're right. I get the sense from her that she is probably some kind of deeply religious. Uh, she just gives she 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 gives off the church girl vibe. You know, she doesn't she doesn't have a Molly Jong fast hairdo. Wow, I can't believe I went. There. <laughs> it was your fault. You're a bad influence. I don't dislike her, but I dislike her. I know. Molly Gaston, whatever the hell her name is. I just, I just, her, her, just her, oh, it's kind of like that inflection in the voice that you hear from, uh, oh, God, what the hell is her name? Hammer, uh, Hammer, what was she? It reminds me, yeah, it reminds me of some, of a joke some radio guy made one time saying, because it was back when echinacea, cold remedies were all the, all the rage, and, and, and the comedian said, uh, I don't know, I'm tired of the word, echinacea. It sounds like it sounds like the name for that, you know, that annoyingly intelligent uh, kid in fourth grade. And who got all, and who got all A's on, and who just won the spelling bee? Little echinacea. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, she's kind of like, yeah, kind of like that. But, 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 but Cassidy, 
Hutchinson, now there, there's a vibe there, and I was willing to move to Florida with it. And, and what I can't get over. But again, give grace. Was she, and, and this is a question for somebody to ask her, unless the terms and conditions of the interview are off limits. Did you not know that he said that he could grab women by their vulvas? Did you not know that? If you did know that, that's a great question. If you did know that, then how did you gloss over it? This is not to say, you know, how was she dressed, or she was looking for it, or she does no. Right. This is a moral inquiry. This is an ethical inquiry. You know, is is this one of those uh, women must be submissive to men things? Is this a uh, is is this a, 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 a Amy COVID Barrett cult thing? And this is why Cassidy Hutchinson will well, never be on this show. Well, and um, in her testimony on national television, I do recall her saying, and again, this is a cognitive dissonance. It's sort of like saying, although. At least she's taking, you know, the sensible, correct track on this issue. It's sort of like saying, if he's a nominee, I'll still vote for him. There's a there there is a whiff of that, that too. But the other but, th- but the other thing but I there's mean, a whiff she, of it. Yeah, she's, that, can I, if I could just finish this one yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. she said in front of the cameras. She said in front of the cameras. Um, it's it's a shame. It's so sad what's happened because you know. We were doing great things. The Trump administration, we were, we were do, they were doing right. great you things. You know, ripping, ripping babies talk. away from the, the breasts of their mothers at the border. Doing great things. And, you know, and had just, done great things. Right. What the fuck is she talking about? And see, I think, I think this is where I'm another factor it. comes into play, Darlene. And that is to the extent that she was influenced by Liz Cheney. There's a vision out there of a future Trumpless Republican Party that returns to its senses. And when they say returns to its senses, they mean continues to be vicious and cruel, but does it while smiling with a with 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 a. uh, uh, a, a saccharine sweet tone, undertone of, of of Jesus and sweet tea, and to that extent, exactly. she's got a future in that Republican Party. She can't align herself. You know, exactly. The, the only uh, but, the yeah. only the only anti-Trump uh, member among the seven dwarfs is Chris Christie, but if somehow he emerges. Then, and, and she can't do it now because she can't be seen to be in any wise affiliated with anyone uh, presently involved in any kind of political contest. But God forbid, knock wood, I'll burn incense and sage and shit like that. But she can have a job in a Chris Christie administration. Ponder that. Um, exactly. That's that's the exact um, sense that I get. Um, that she's hedging her bets. 
until one day that old Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, Chris Christie party arises like a phoenix from the ashes. Yeah. Or, um, she, or she could, you know, and she might, and she might have you know, such cachet with, um, with, with voters after this hero turn, even though she says she's not a hero. She might, not. she might, she might run as the Republican nominee for a Democrat, a seat held by a Democrat, and win. She might very well. She might very well. Um, and I think she's ambitious in that regard, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I think she is hedging her bets. Um, this book and whatever multi-millions she makes out of it, which she will, um, you know, she's going to be sitting pretty um, and financially secure, um, no matter what happens, unless something something um, catastrophic occurs in her life, i.e., Fonnie Willis or Jack Smith decide to indict her, which I don't think they're going to do. But she basically is caught to, you know, I'm, I feel partly responsible for this. I should have done more. I really done. So I agree. I think she's, you know, she's waiting for um, her buddy Liz to <laughs> somehow for that Republican, whatever that was, <laughs> which wasn't great well, anyway. And, the, and, the, and those are the Cheneys. Well, yeah, and, and you know, taking it back to my question, do we need political parties now? I'm looking here at MountVernon.org, and um, it's a quote, George Washington, in his, um, and, you, know, you know, Georgie, Orgy had his issues, for sure. Um, and what became known as the Farewell Address in 1796 is clear. Quote, the spirit of party serves always to distract the public councils, councils, C-O-U-N-C-I-L-S, and enfeeble the public administration. It agitates the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms, kindles the animosity of one part against another foments occasionally riot and insurrection, unquote, or end quote. Man, did he call it. He called it. He did back in 1796. Well, you, you made it. me curious about something, and this won't take but a second. Uh, Kindles occasionally violence and insurrection. Oh, let's see here. Yeah, he would know a little bit about that. Because the Whiskey Rebellion began in 1791 and ended in 1794 during the Washington presidency. Yeah, and he, he croaked uh, three years after saying that, that Sarah was right. But, but it was blamed on political faction. Yeah, and he was, as Sosier goes on to say, he was confident that the country could and should function without the existence of political parties. So maybe that's my answer. You know, do we need a Republican Party? <laughs> do we need a Democratic Party? What about just Democratic Party? Okay, now, 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 you, now you are breaking up a little that's bit. That's basically functional. Oh, 
what if we were to um, just have a Democratic Party? I mean, I, I guess that, you know, really, it's the only functional party we have right now. But, you know, the old, I, I don't think we I mean, I, I've turned to calling them. Am, am I sounding okay? Yeah, you're fine now. Okay. I, I've turned to calling them the ultimatists because, you know, that's where, you know, Lauren Booby booked. Oh, now you're breaking up again. Uh, why? Because I'm staying in one place. Ah, okay. I'm in one place. All right, just let me know. How Am I better? There we go. Hello? Yeah, you're there. You're good. Okay. So, I get, you know, but I do get nervous when we say, come on, come on, Cassidy, come on over to us. Oh, I, that ain't going to happen. Well, it was funny because I think Jamie Raskin said it. He said, you know, we're and and my my concern is is that it dilutes our part the democratic ideal and the democratic party further. Um, you know, like when Obama, who was basically president, was basically conservative, and what didn't he invite Specter? Was it or was it Specter? Arlen Specter. Did Specter become a Democrat? Uh yeah, kinda. Yeah. We invited him over. And it's like, he's just going to dilute shit and, and make it harder to move forward in a progressive way. So anyway, that's, I mean, you know, Washington here, our first president is essentially saying we can operate without them, without political parties. So I don't know, you know, whatever, Nancy. I like Nancy. You're a nice person, but I agree. I I will say there is one good thing that Republicans have done, and that was the ADA. That really does. That is one thing in their in their one feather in their cap, and that's a, um, that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and that was uh, Herbert Walker who got that. And and, and the people who would go on to become ultra-maga now um, railed against it. I I remember going up and down the road listening to Rush Limbaugh have kittens with crocheted tails over it. My friends, it's going to destroy the business community in the United States. How many billions of dollars (laughs) are we going to have to spend building these ramps and these swimming pool thingies? Mm Hmm. You know, but it just, it just shows the lack of insight, foresight, outside of the bigotry and hatred that it, it shows. Um, but, you know, women who are pregnant and have a couple of kids in tow use ramps and elevators for ADA that are for people with disabilities. Yeah. People who, look, Okay, and this 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 brings in, uh, I'm balancing around the conversation like I typically do. But one of the sad things um, this was brought to my attention. I didn't watch the movie. I didn't watch the Barbie movie. 
but they, they, they did a piss poor job representing people with disabilities. Um, it was scene, I believe, where wheelchair Barbie was part of four seconds, didn't have a line, she could have said, hi, Barbie, nothing. She could have been a main character. They didn't do that. It's disgusting. There are older movies where people had uh, people with disabilities had better representation. And it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable because we are the largest minority group. Not only are we the largest minority but we are a minority group that anyone listening to this program who's not ours could become a member of within seconds. Yeah, at a moment's notice. Due to an accident, aging, genetics, um, so it's but then you take that to obviously Trump the like Rush Limbaugh's and giving him a congressional or, or a presidential medal of honor which was just but what did he say to Mark Milley in Mark Milley's book right the disabled yeah why do you why do you bring why do you bring those guy, people why do you bring those people around that's wow. I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, it's still shocking. I'm not surprised. And he, he's a fucking, he's just a fucking monster. He's, just a, he's a lousy performer. You know, it's just all performative. Well, it's, um, it's interesting because the Wall Street Journal, their editorial board, uh, you know, not known for being a gang of flaming liberals. <laughs> They've had uh, apparently. Well, I mean, they're they're worried. There there are some Republicans out there who do see the handwriting on the wall, and they are in the toilet. And what they're seeing is the end of the Republican Party as they know it. The only thing that's saving it from yeah. just disappearing now is relentless gerrymandering witness the ongoing fight in Alabama I mean that's some that that is yeah. that is some brass to be told by the Supreme Court of the United States <laughs> create this district refuse to create it be called out by a panel take the panel's ruling back to the Supreme Court and have the Supreme Court with no recorded dissents say Fuck off all the way back to Alabama and do what we said. And now the maps are in the hands of a commission. Got a cartographer and everything. And they and they desperately want there's a uh, there's some sort of an election in I think July of no. Well, whatever. But they wanted to and no, you cannot. And, and 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 so if you don't you know if you don't believe in it, it does, but but the thing is the Republican Party if it is not if it were not for gerrymandering and voter suppression would have long since begun to fade into obscurity. The reality though is that if you and look the electoral at electoral college, don't forget the electoral college. Right, but I mean it's that but that's a that's a different kettle of fish for basically for one election. But the the 
the evolutionary the political evolutionary history of the United States suggests that political parties do remain in a state of perpetual evolution not only you know living things are not the only things that evolve institutions do too and you know for instance the Jeffersonian Republicans become the Jacksonian Democrats and the Whigs oppose the Democrats but the Whigs eventually fade and the Whi- and the and the and the rump of the Whigs merge with people like the know nothings and the anti Masonics and that's how you wind up with Abraham Lincoln in eighteen sixty because the Democrats couldn't get their shit together because of sectional uh, sectionalism. And so what's coming now, and everybody should be well aware of this and be concerned. The Republicans are fading. You know, what, what, what my friend Ali said last week mm-hmm. about the, the, the rise of Gen Z is absolutely true. But what will come after the Republican Party, whether they still call it the Republican Party or not, brands matter. Just ask Donnie Deutsch. Is going to be, and, and this is a function, and I know you know the term because I've used it a million times, the Arafat rule. Be careful of what you hate, because what replaces it may be manifestly worse. Yep. And so what? Well, what? Yeah. What is? We are watching. We are watching in real time. Okay. We're all standing on the grassy knoll, and the convertible is turning the corner. We are watching in real time where the Republican Party is going, and it is going to full-on fascism, whether it's the brown skirts or the brown shirts. Proud Boys, the Boogaloo, Incel, Tactical Command, Headquarters, Executive Staff, these are all young movements. You know, the, 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 the brown skirts are a, you know, a, a, gang, a gang of Karens with a lot of money, a lot of fascism, and a handful of Hitler quotes. And they're, and they're having success. I mean, there's another story out there. I don't know if you saw it. But in one county in Florida, the school board has ordered the, libra- the school libraries, including the high school library, which wasn't even included, but you know, for safety's sake, to remove every book that has a gay character. Now, we're not talking about books that have people engaging in gay sexual contact or gay intimacy. We're talking about a book that says, and his best friend was gay. Or, and her best friend was a lesbian. And they got along fine. The book, a book with that sentence in it cannot be on the shelf in this county in Florida. That's profound. And, and, and that movement has its own, that, that, that drive toward fascism, Darlene, has its own inertial force. 
It is a body in motion, and it will tend to remain in motion until uh, until it is opposed by a force significant to bring it to a stop. Now, what is that? What 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 is that opposing force? I don't know. But back to the uh, back to the uh, Wall Street Journal for just a minute. Their editorial board said, Donald Trump suggested the other day that General Mark Milley, the nation's highest military officer, deserves execution, as in death. He said NBC, NBC should be mm-hmm. investigated for treason and the FBI should raid the homes of Senate Democrats. Then he accused President Biden of being manipulated by the fascists in the White House. They then said, went on to describe them as unhinged posts, and they said, this is the kind of lunacy you're going to get if you nominate him in 2024. And they continued saying some Republicans are feeling giddy these days because Mr. Biden is down in the polls, losing head-to-head even against Mr. Trump. But many voters may have forgotten that it, what it was like to hear from and live with Mr. Trump day after day. As president, Mr. Biden gets more attention now, and Mr. Trump is ducking the GOP presidential debates. But if Mr. Trump is nominated again, his every word will get attention. That's the baggage Republicans will carry and the reason Democrats think even Mr. Biden can win. Even Mr. Biden. That's a whole other thing. Well, yes, it is. But uh, that's 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 telling. Because the Wall Street Journal is the Wall Street Journal, even if it's owned by Rupee. And they would like to continue holding power. And they're not entirely sure they will. So, I don't... don't. The Democrats, like you mentioned... um, was it James Carville? Right. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Michael Cohen pissed me off not too long ago. Because <laughs> he was like, I keep hearing from my Democratic friends about, you know, how he talks that New York way. Um, that they're extremely concerned about um, Biden and his age and that essentially they don't want either Democrats, he claims, um, are concerned about Kamala Harris becoming president. That's where all of this is coming this is from. On the, ultimate, is, well, like you said, everything like this is always anchored in racism and bigotry. And uh, misogyny. Um, it is the it is the gas that just it it is it, the grist that just operates that just operates this country. It, it really it's it's disgusting. The irony in this, and I did write a comment about so freaking pissed. He was talking to none other than Brian Tyler Cohen. He's a very smart young man, but I wanted to smack him right upside the fucking head. 
um, because he ought to be, know better. Be, 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 pa- be patient with him. You have to grow into this job. I was one of those little smart asses once upon a time, too. All right. Well, yeah. So the comment about Kamala, the comments about Kamala, comes on the heels of talking about Trump and how fucked up he is. And, you know, what a horrible president he was, or occupant of the White House, as Nancy likes to say, which I agree with her whole you know, the occupant of the White House twice speech. <laughs> occupant of the White House. Um, and then talking about Biden and his age and all of that. And then it switches to Kamala, and they're both concerned about whether or not Kamala has the intelligence capabilities, capacity, cojones, whatever you want to call it, to lead this country. And Cohen asks, my, uh, Brian Tyler Cohen, you know, what do you think of that? And Brian goes, oh, she's got experts. She'll be fine. She's got experts. Oh, no. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Thank God she's got experts. After what you dumb fuck just said about Trump and Biden, who is doing extremely, you know, Biden's doing a tremendous job, and he has a great vice president. He made a great choice, and he should not um, switch at all. We keep, keep, you know, and I know that's his plan, okay, is to keep Kamala because she's doing a great job. And that's what that's what DTC said. And I wanted to smack his young ass right upside the head. I just wanted to come like, are you fucking kidding? Well, of course, she's got experts. Thank God she's got experts. Well, like he's trying to convince himself. I'm like, you You know who needs to slap him? Made me nuts. You know who this needs is to sla- my discussion, by the way. Yeah, you know who needs to slap him upside the head? Matt in San Francisco. Because Matt gave the perfect <laughs> Kamala answer the other night. She's never lost a race. She finds a way. She's whip smart. And you underestimate her at your own risk. But this, you're, you're right. And this damn, is, this does, is she, does she look good? Does she look good in a moth or lavender suit? Oh. Man, does she look that is her freaking color. Yes. Oh damn does she look good. No doubt about Sorry, that. No, no, that's 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 okay. I mean yeah. You know, and and she's in, she's brilliant. And look, Cohen is like, Well, you know, she she's she's um she's taken up the abortion I'm like, Hey listen, dumb fuck. I don't dislike Michael Ty- Tyler uh, Michael Cohen. I don't dislike him and I don't dislike Brian Tyler Cohen. Okay, so when I say it that way, that means something. But I, but just because he happened to notice that Kamala is traveling the country talking about women's reproductive rights, just because he happened to notice it at a certain point in time doesn't mean she just started doing it. No, but that, that, that's that, but that's part and parcel. Stopped. That's part and parcel, Darlene, of the phenomenon that I keep referring to. 
uh, people who think that history began the day they were born. Yeah. And I think, you know, both of them are a little bit like that. Brian, he's young. He's young. But you know what? I'm sick of it because I don't know about you, but I'm 50, 58. And I have heard all my life, you know. Um, oh, you know, the older guys, they're from a different generation. You got to cut them some slack, but the younger guys know better. No, 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 it's not happening. It's still, there's still a problem here. There's still a problem. The soft sexism or unconscious sexism is still here. Well, it's it's like, uh, it's, it's like a couple of months ago when I, I noticed that uh, Nimrata Haley was engaging in wishcraft. When she would start talking about, we cannot turn the government over to Kamala Harris in 2025. Well, she was. Oh, she, she's insane. That's insane. Really? Look in the mirror, bitch. You, you, no, but she, the, the important point is that she was engaging in basically either predicting or wishing the death of Joe Biden. Right. Because right. she's not going to be the nominee in 2024. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and frankly, one brown woman, Nimrod is getting a bit lighter these days, I think. One brown mm-hmm. woman, one That's South that. Asian brown woman attacking another South Asian brown woman. Well, it's not a great look, but then again, this is, this, this is the maggot party, okay? This is the maggot party that can't bring itself to utter a peep when Tommy the Tuber refuses or votes no on the Joint Chiefs of Staff nomination appointment and basically declares he wants a white supremacist military. I mean, that's a thing that happened. Yeah. And it's crickets. Uh, by the way, John in Central yeah. PA points out, Vice President Harris, she's the most popular vice president in U.S. history. Everywhere she goes, she's swarmed with fans. All the kids. Oh, my God. The, the college kids... Freaking love her. Uh, yeah, and and the, since we talked, yeah, since since, all, since we talked about her last night, all Tay Tay has to do is say, "Y'all, Kamala's part of my posse," and that's good for that's good for ten million votes. And I'm being slightly <laughs> facetious, but not entirely. And, and 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 Kamala would Kamala could probably sit down with Tay Tay and they'd get on just fine. Who's Tay Tay? Taylor Taylor Swift. What? Taylor Swift. Oh Taylor! Hey, I liked her music before before your program embraced her, and I was too afraid to come out and say it. I was afraid to come out. It's okay. I actually it's, had some it, of her it, songs. I'm like, oh my god, because you guys, I'm sorry. Y'all bashed her on Friday in the front porch. You did. You bashed her. You did. There was one. Like, there, was, shit, there, was this, there was. There was this. There was this. There was. There was this one song. Um, I just the rhyme scheme just drove me batty, or it, it, it just the, the language. It, it, I'm. I'm. I, I. I got a problem. Um, and I repent. And and but, and, and Darlene, I just want to say. And you need. I just want to okay. say. Yeah. I just want to say. If you're a Swifty, we we see you, and you're valid. Okay, just that's all. I wouldn't say I'm like a crazy Swifty. I I mean I've seen like just 
you know, snippets of her Eras tour, Eras tour, and it looks amazing. I, I'm not going to go Taylor Swift into a concert. I'm, 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 I'm cool. I can't even get out of my garage yet still. So, you know, whatever. But you have to repent. You must, you're, you and Todd need to repent on the comments about Kristen Sinema because listen, I, I'm not, I don't know what her fucking style is. I don't know what is it like. I, I don't know what it is. Um, Nouveau, uh, Arizona, Pueblo. I, I don't oh, know. No, even even her constituents, know. even her constituents are like, no, really. Okay, but, but, you're cutting Fetterman a hell of a lot more slack than I heard you and Todd cutting. Well, and I want to make it clear, I can't I fucking hate her. I can't stand the bitch. I can't. But I'm not going to go after her. Because that's how she... I hate her, and I, but I'm not going to go after how she dresses. No, it was just, it was just, the, it was just, it was just the, it was just the one Britney Spears outfit. That was all. <laughs> no, y'all were talking about the thing she that that, that yellow banana, the frock thing she that that thing with the big shoulders that she was wearing uh, that night when you. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're key. Damn it, Darlene, yeah. you're keeping you know, notes. And, and the cheerleader thing, okay, the cheerleader thing. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Fetterman could probably pass for a, a male cheerleader in what he wears, but I'm okay. I like Fetterman. He is hilarious. He really, he he's showing the contrast, you know, and I don't know if it's a fucking brilliant move on his part, but he's like, really, you're going to be worried about the fact that I dress like a swab? <laughs> dress like a swab. <laughs> And then it was, I mean, I, I laughed for a few days with that whole thing that he said about, I think you said it on your program, when he, what he said about um, DeClantis. You know, he, he campaigns like I dress. I mean, that's epic. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's fantastic, you know, and I just, you know, he's good. I just, I, I, I don't know, this guy is freaking, and he did the double thing, the, the, the commercial that, that he has a doppelganger. You know, and, and he was on Joy Reid's program, uh, I think yesterday or something, and she said, I have to ask you, am I talking to the real John Fetterman or to a double? <laughs> and he goes, well, the double hasn't shown up yet, you know? And he said, but, you know, so if I'm going to have a double, we're going to make sure that the guy dresses a lot better, looks, you know, thinner or whatever. You know, it's funny because he has a better body than what I have, you know? Which is just hilarious because, you know, this double thing in, in, the, in the dark anals and anuses of, of the uh, internet. I mean, are you fucking serious? There's another six foot nine doppelganger out <laughs> that looks like a six foot nine? Really? I mean, Jesus. So, um, I think I just, we're I going want, to I just want, I do. I want some. You cut him slack. You gotta cut Kristen. I want it because it, okay. I'm, you, know. you don't know I don't like. I, I'm not into her style. I'm not into her Arizona Pueblo style. So I'm just not into it. That Catholic schoolgirl thing was not Arizona Pueblo. Um, <laughs> you mean the cheer, or the cheerleader suit? No, I saw it as Britney Spears. You know the with the. But, uh, but uh, well, I'm thinking of the I want the a, thing a, she wears that. But I, 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 want, I want to say this because maybe maybe somebody will hit. You know, you never know what the universe is going to do. Um, 
I want I want a photographer to be there when the Senate is in session, and I want a photograph. I want this really badly. I want a photograph of John Fetterman standing very close to Joe Manchin and just looking down at the top of his head. How tall is John? What is he clocking at, Joe? Oh, if Joe Manchin's two inches taller than me, it's a miracle. So, you know, I'm six. So what is he, like 5'11", 5'5"? No, he's like, he's maybe, he's, 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 he's maybe 6'1", but hell, if he was 6'4". Oh. Oh, okay, well, Fetterman would still tower over him, and I just... And, and I'd like, I'd, I'd, yeah. since since I'm putting this out there, I'd like Fetterman to have his arms crossed across his chest, with a devil, with 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 that sort of devilish grin he has, looking down at Joe Manchin. <laughs> that may happen. You may get your dream. Not, not uh, uh, nary a word need be spoken. By the way, we got we got a note in. We got a note from uh, we got a note from Jude, going back to Cassidy. Hey Jude. Hey, Jude. Yes, the border and Cassidy. How could one, especially a woman, continue to remain aligned with such cruelty? That was the crossroads, a time when one defines themselves. There are moments in history where the ether of understanding and compassion calls out to be addressed. But for her, there was a silence of action. Good dialogue, you two, warmly, Jude. And, and Jude, I don't, I don't know that there's an answer to that. Uh, Happy birthday to you, baby. Yes. Uh, and uh, Tracy uh, wrote in and said, uh, I want to put forward a $25 challenge uh, for you called, I can buy a gun, not that I would want want to, and have a business in New York City, but Trump can't because he's a fucking criminal and I'm not, and, and, and I'm not, $25 challenge, uh, with serious clapback. Uh, <laughs> Tracy, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, let's let's hold let's, uh, since we, since we got where we needed to be this evening and we've got the ongoing challenges. Let's hold that till tomorrow. So if somebody on the overnight crew wants to meet cool. it, then we will be only one hundred and fifty dollars <throat> away from uh, meeting Larry and Liberalville's challenge for Thursday. This has been a miraculous week. I got one more thing to do, and I I, uh, I don't mean I got one more thing. I got a story here. It's really fucking nauseating and Uh-oh. i i, I kind of i'm kind of well i am glad that i have you with me on the phone because i don't okay. i don't know if I, I don't i don't know if i would be okay doing this by myself okay i'll hold uh, your hand okay. there was I'll a hold there was a debate on the floor of the house um She, uh, Clanny Oakley, for the second time in two months, proposed an amendment to a bill to reduce the salary of a high-ranking member of the Defense Department. She's using something called the Holman Rule. 
and it lets members of Congress target specific federal employees for either salary cuts or firing. Hmm. She went after, and I'm going to play the clip, and it's going to be it's going to be disgusting to me. Uh, Sean Skelly is a 20-year veteran of the United States Navy. Has served honorably in the Navy. And is an assistant secretary of the Navy. And... Lauren Boebert attacked her. Oh, her. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Here we go. This is just... <sighs> Boebert and member of Opposed Each Will Control Five Minutes. The chair now recognizes the gentleman from Colorado. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I rise today to offer my amendment that utilizes the Holman Rule to reduce the salary of Sean Kelly, Assistant Secretary of Defense for Readiness. That salary shall be reduced to $1. As the Assistant Secretary of Defense, Mr. Skelly is the Principal Advisor to the Secretary of Defense and the Undersecretary of Defense for Personnel and Readiness on all matters related to the readiness of our armed forces. In that capacity, he is supposed to develop policies and plans, provide advice, and make recommendations for total force readiness programs, reporting and assessments of readiness to execute the national defense strategy. Like many of Biden's bureaucrats, Mr. Skelly is failing at his job and the basic responsibilities. On his watch, the Army missed their recruiting goal by 15,000 soldiers last year, and all other branches were forced to dig deep into their pools of delayed entry applicants to meet their recruitment goals. On top of that, the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard are all expected to fall short of their recruitment goals this year. Mr. Skelly has also been with the Biden administration since the beginning and was appointed to the transition team. Some irony there. In November of 2020, as the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Readiness, Mr. Skelly played an instrumental role See what's going in the on here, disastrous darling? and shameful withdrawal yeah. from Afghanistan that killed 13 of America's finest, 13 American heroes. If you haven't guessed by now, Sean Skelly, who is beyond any shadow of a doubt a woman, is trans. She is, in fact, the highest-ranking member, the highest-ranking official in the Defense Department who is. Now, after having listened to all of this bilge, Martha McCollum of Minnesota stood up and responded, citing Assistant, uh, Assistant Secretary Skelly's resume, career, honorable service, just to get an idea. Oh, wow, thank you. Arnold. Arnold jumped in on Tracy's challenge. Thank you. 
So we will now get we'll, we will have some uh, bonus coverage for this evening, courtesy of Larry's challenge. I don't mean bonus time on that. Well, we may do that too, but there will be a premium from Larry in Liberalville. Thank you. Seek recognition. Mr. Chair, I rise in the strongest opposition to this amendment. You, you can tell how disgusted she is. And people deserve mm-hmm. to be treated with dignity and respect when being addressed. Assistant Secretary Skelly has served in her role admirably, yeah. as she has done as her time as a naval officer. Assistant Secretary Skelly is a naval fighter, uh, a naval for over 20 years. And, I, you know, I, I am a little upset because the, the, the lack of respect that has been shown to Secretary uh, Kelly by the last speaker is surprising for me on this House floor, which we hold into Hutch. Really? Surprising? The Hutch's highest and, and she is upset, but I'm sorry. And I know they have to maintain decorum, but, you know, sometimes the only answer to a bully is to punch the bully in the fucking nose. No, I'm not suggesting. I agree. And what she should have, what Martha McCollum should have done is get up and say, bitch, you just got caught giving a hand job in a theater, in a children's musical to a guy who hosts exactly. drag shows. Go brush your fucking hair. Exactly. Boobygate, man. Bring it up. What is wrong with Democrats? Okay. They've been doing some good things, but yeah, punch back and say, listen, Booby Gate. Jesus. Is this the lady whose daughter is trans? No. By chance? I don't I don't think so. No. Okay. No, she's just she's just a decent she's just a no. de- no, she's just a decent just, woman from Minnesota. But the thing and, is and the thing is the thing is Boobert uh Asked for time to respond and doubled down on the misgendering. If you want to call Mr. Skelly a her, his chromosomes are still XY. We trust the science over here. What's what's really? Show me your chromosomes, Clanny Oakley. Sorry. What's gross and very scary is that Boober, Boobygate, um, put this individual's name out there. Druid is drawn attention to her. She she wants to get she it wants someone to, like to kill her. She wants to see November twenty fourth is okay. coming. The trans day, the transgender day of remembrance, and already we will because of the way it happened. We will be reading the names of the slaughtered from Club Q. And she wants Sean Skelly's name to also be read on the day of trans the transgender day of remembrance. It's a hard day. But Lauren Boebert wants her fucking dead because it'll get her an invite. I don't know. Maybe she wants to fuck Matt Gates. At least Cassidy Hutchinson didn't want to. 
Even Anna Pava Laguna said she didn't, even though everybody said, oh, yeah, she wronged. I mean, there are just sometimes you don't play nice. Exactly, because you know who they're going to go after next. Who? In the Biden administration. Who? Dr. Levine, Rachel Levine. Oh, oh no, they've been doing they've been doing that for ages. I don't think. Well, yeah, they haven't. I don't think she's been in front of them in a while, and I I think they're going to make a spectacle of her. And she is brilliant, kind. She tries to counter that nastiness with um, just a calm calmness and love, you know, and I'm, I worry about her because uh, she's, she's amazing. Um, and for the secretary of health, this is secretary of health. So uh, she's an amazing physician. I, you know, you know, they're going to make, they're going to try to call her in and make a spectacle of her. And you know what I want? So it, it, when there's these a people are vicious. Yeah, mm-hmm. when when there is a second Biden administration, you know what I want? I want her to be the Surgeon General, and I want the Repu- I want the ma- and I want the maggots to fucking die mad about Heads it. To fucking about it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, you know. You know, and I was going to say that before you brought up the story. You know, why are Democrats just pounding on Louis Gates? You know, I mean. Well, oh, I mean, who among us haven't? Uh, who, who, who all am- trying to cover for this breaking? See you next Tuesday. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for that, Tracy, because I'd say the other word, but I'd say it right out. Well, I okay. mean, who, who among us haven't given a hand job to a guy in a traveling musical theater show? It's for cool. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ! And then you know, it's all oh, you know. I'm sure she oh, she cares about the fetus. There's a pregnant woman behind you. Please don't, please don't smoke. I'm pregnant. She didn't give a flying fuck. Oh, but she hasn't been in the dating season, uh, dating scene in 20 years. Well, <laughs> I just have to check the political affiliations. <laughs> I just forgot. I have to do, you know, fuck you. Fuck you. You are just, not you. Her, she is so pathetic. She is unworthy. She should not be. I mean, it just shows, but you know what? Only in. The former Republican Party, now Ultra Maggot Party. Only, only there will can you be like that, and 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 become a powerful Congress person. Because you know what, Lauren Booby Bobert there wouldn't be able to hold down a real job in her life. She wouldn't be able to do it. Well, I mean, so here, here's Congress she, for you. She she kind of. She was kind of like the the, the um, owner ish of the rifle grill and, and walked around and took hamburger orders uh, with a gun on her hip. And yeah, no, she's worked. There, there, there's a credible. The, the allegation is credible that she actually was a <clears throat> escort. Yeah, an escort. Who may have <clears throat> escorted. Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger-eating future king of America. Did you notice? Oh God, yeah. Did you notice? The, mm-hmm. the guy she gave the hand job to, and Raffaellito, have the same beard. Have the same what? Beard. The same look. Oh, interesting. 
you know, he was tall and lanky, the dude she was with, that she supposedly is not seeing anymore. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. And even, I, you know, I'm kind well, of shocked. No, I believe it. Hold, hold, no, hold the hell on. I believe it. Can you imagine the hell? Can you imagine the hell that the queens gave him? The ones who the ones who put on the shows in his bar? Sugar, we bring in a lot of money. And you go and, and you go and you and you go whiskey tangoing around with that? Oh no, baby. We, it's Denver. We will find somewhere else to strut. Alright, because I'm I'm thinking it's from her perspective. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure after they left that theater, it was closed off, and you know what? Her? He'd totally be after him again. That's just my take on it, but from his perspective, yeah, probably the Queens. Well, if Matt, no, hell yes, hell anymore. yes, she would. Consider the alternative. Matt Gates. It'd probably start hurting when you pee before he pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Sorry, well, I haven't been this I, I bitchy wish, in a while. I wish Democrats would keep, I would, I Democrats would keep pounding on that. I know it's after 8, so I'll get going. But I know, I, I wish they would keep pounding on that. Like, I wish they would kind of keep bringing up what happened in Alabama and say, isn't that ironic? They hear the Supreme Court is taking away our rights left, our rights left and right. Our rights, left, left, not really on the left, but right. Here they are taking away our rights, and you would think Democrats would be the one to say Supreme Court is illegitimate. No, it was the all Republicans in Alabama. I mean, there's some irony here. No, I, I ran, I ran out, of, I ran out, God, of time. I ran out of time. We'll have to. I've got another. I got another family values Republican here. In fact, I got two. You remember how we were talking about how uh, Christy Nome uh, was making the beast with two backs with, oh, my God, Corey Lewandowski? Yeah, wasn't he a real asshole at one time in front of a Democratic uh, yeah. controlled um, yeah. uh, hearing thing? He was like a real fucking asshole. He's like the biggest prick ever. He was like this fucking asshole. You know, yeah. Okay, go ahead. So... Uh, like, it's coming back to me who he is. Well, uh, he's a political consultant. Now. Mm, mm. And a yeah. climber in Louisiana stand, their present attorney general who wants to be governor named Jeff mm -hmm. Landry, just hired mm -hmm. Corey Lewandowski just hired Corey Lewandowski as a political consultant. A guy who had already given $100,000 to Jeff Landry said, no, motherfucker, give it back. You just hired the guy who sexually assaulted my wife in Arizona. No, maybe it was Nevada. Yeah, it was Nevada. I th I, well, maybe it was Arizona. So I want the 100000 back right fucking now. And you can count me out for your support. And in fact, I'm going to tell everybody yep, that, that you're such a piece of shit. You hired the guy who sexually assaulted my wife. So fuck you with a dried wow. out cactus. I didn't know that part. I heard I caught the headline that you know the donor was withdrawing the, the, their support for the hiring of 
or Lewandowski, but I thought it had something to do with Christy Bell and the sexual blah, blah, blah. But so he's, he's a sexual, he's a rapist. Yeah. Too. Uh, but, but he got a sweetheart plea deal. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Lewandowski was later charged with misdemeanor battery, and in September 2022, he cut a plea deal with Nevada prosecutors. Under the deal, the political strategist agreed to pay a $1,000 fine, undergo impulse control training, and serve 50 hours of community service and stay out of trouble for a year. And in, in exchange, Lewandowski would not have to admit guilt. Odom's former oh. wife, the, the donor... Uh, uh, a big-time Republican, John Odom, uh, gave $100,000, and it was his ex-wife who got creepered on by Lewandowski in Vegas in 2021. And Odom said... I'm deeply disappointed and disgusted by Jeff Landry's decision to hire Corey Lewandowski. He went on and said, Lewandowski was unfit to serve in any capacity in any political campaign. I urge Landry to reconsider his decision. And I need him to immediately return my $100,000. It is obvious that he is not the kind of leader that Louisiana needs. Yeah, and while Odin there, you know, again... Cognitive dissonance. Why are you supporting Republicans? Oh, and I go back to the third party. I'm looking here again at George Washington's statement. Animosity of one part against another foments occasionally riot and insurrection. <laughs> and in addition to Matt Gates, in addition to Matt Gates creepering on Cassidy Hutchinson. Uh, there was also mm. Rudy Giuliani. Nitwit Nero told her to now add. Now that's traumatizer. Yeah, Nitwit Nero told her to add blonde highlights to her hair, and then she went home and did it. Um, John Boner Cassidy? said, "Yeah, wow. yeah." John Boner told her, "Hey, honey, go home and lose the ponytail, and from now on, don't drink anything but red wine. You want a cigarette?" And when Boner told her that, uh, no, it was Matt Gates. Uh, in this part, we know already. Yeah, he chuckled and brushed his thumb across my chin. Has anyone ever told you you're a national treasure? And it was it was in fact Kevin McCarthy who saw Gates creepering her cabin. What do you want? Oh, I lost. Uh, could. Cassidy escort me to my cabin, and that's when Kevers looks at him and says, Get a life, Matt. God, these men are disgusting. They're gross, but hey, Cassidy's a Republican. Uh, Goodness forbid if she would ever, ever, ever lower herself. Become uh, a demon crack. And as to Corey Lewandowski's impulse control training, Matt in San Francisco wants to know, What's involved? Electroshock collars? Oh no, I think Corey has to pay extra for those. Hey Matt, I got I got to check in. How's my shade? My my proposed response to Lauren Bobblehead. How's my shade coming along? I'm working on my shade. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's get out of here, Darlene. You need to go check on the bun. All right, bun. thank you, you. Go check on the bun buns. Okay. Bye. Bye.
they're okay. I'm looking here, and they're doing good. And oh, you need a buddy, rather. I, I, it's too dark now. It's too dark now, but I think I did a good job scaring off that uh, fox. But I heard something bang, so I guess this cute baby rabbit was trying to get under the deck really fast Aww. to avoid. Oh, I want him to be there in the um, morning. The fox, but, oh, I well, hopefully. I mean, cute baby rabbit was outside with us. Yesterday morning was so nice that, like, you know, just kind of munching on the greens and, you know, because I sit outside on the deck, it, they they come around and um, they know I'm not going to hurt them. But um, I didn't like what I saw. Beautiful fox, I'll tell you. The animal's gorgeous, big, tall. Ooh. But I really just, yeah, this is uh, multiple appearances onto the property, so. The yeah. fox knows. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Knows the rabbit is here. Maybe name the fox Mark. So. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> Corey. <laughs> Corey. Oh. So, but, oh, wait, before you go, though, I just realized something. So he was, Corey Lewandowski was assaulting Odom's ex-wife at the same time he was doing the nasty with Christy Nome. Cheaters, mm, cheaters gonna cheat. This is messed up, man. That that's, that's like just messed up. The whole thing is messed up. Yeah, it is. It's it so just is. messed up. All right, Darlene, you have a good evening, dear. It was you a too. fantastic Talk to conversation. You later. All right, later. I Bye. hope so. Oh, it was. It absolutely I was. So. Right. Okay, great. Bye. All right, dear. Bye, bye. And so that's the program. And we did get some extra time in. Um, thank you. Thank you to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Larry. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, James. And uh, or, um, Thank you, uh, James. Where did I, come where did I get that? Um, thank you, Arnold, for answering Tracy's challenge. Tracy Baby, Arnold said. Um, so tomorrow we will have a uh, another $200 challenge. And I, I can't tell you what it just absolutely... Oh, the idea of finishing the month fully, fully funded... Yes, and thank you, James, for all you did to put us in this position. Good gracious, thank you. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thank you, Kat, this evening, and thank you to our anonymous friend. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you to Roger in the chat room. Thank you to our news ninjas. I need to start doing the like and subscribe thing in the middle of the program, doggone it. But uh, please, thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, headon.live. Seriously, like, subscribe, mash like buttons all over the place. Like every episode. Leave, please leave a comment. It helps more than you know. Share the program. Because in so doing... You help to make sure this continues. 
and it costs you neither time nor money. Because it's like time, okay, it's like two seconds. Done. Leave a comment for the algorithms. Thanks, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia at a proud union shop. Stay safe. There was a sign at Kroger's today that said, get your free flu shot. I said, really? He goes, well, I mean, if you've got insurance. Um, seriously, get your booster, get your RSV vaccine, get your flu shot. Get Frank, you know, get your... That was a really effective ad. It stuck in my mind that long. Uh, get your shingles vaccines if you haven't. Wear your masks, whether you're around maggots or not. Back to masking. It's okay. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance. And, you know, if... uh, the hand job lady comes towards you down on, on the sidewalk. Avoid avoid her like the plague. Because she is. And probably several STIs. And always, always, always. Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later. <laughs>